0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis, 2011,
1: and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and tonight I am joined by my forever co-host, Sith Lord and brother-in-law. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Good deal. Well, last episode I uh, released uh, a little late last week, and so far the reception has actually been very positive. Both on my personal Facebook and Twitter, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from people, and even on my YouTube channel, I released a video kind of detailing what the podcast was going to be about, and a lot of great um, reception so far. So thank you all that have um, you know commented and reached out to me. I really do appreciate it. And uh, we're on iTunes now. As of last night, we have successfully published, and we are on. The, the iTunes. We have transitioned. Yes, we have made it to the big leagues, folks. So you can find us on iTunes, and we are also on Podbean. Both, uh, you can download the apps on your phone, whether it be the the podcast app or Podbean. You can get both for free on the app store. So want to just encourage that easy access on all of your mobile devices, but. We have a packed agenda for tonight. We are going to be doing a completely Star Wars-themed episode. So if you're not, oh, a, Star- yeah. if you're not a Star Wars fan, I, I apologize in advance. But first off, we're going to kick it off with the games we've been playing recently. Then we are going to get into our favorite Star Wars video games, talking about our favorite Star Wars characters, whether or not we'd go to the lighter dark side. Ryan's going to be going to the dark side, if you can't tell from <laughs> the, uh, the intro to the show. And then we're going to kind of do a deep dive into... Star Wars movies. So we're going to break down ranking all of the movies. Our first experiences watching them. And then, full disclosure, you've been warned. We will be breaking down The Last Jedi. As soon as we start talking about it, we are going to be spoiling major plot points. So if you have not seen The Last Jedi, again, you've been warned. But...
0: Or all Star Wars movies, because we're going to talk about all plot points. But if you haven't seen The Last Jedi at this point, I mean,
1: we're like, yeah, exactly, (laughs) Luke. But, um, yeah, if you haven't seen The Last Jedi at this point, clearly you're not a real Star Wars fan, so. Shots fired. But we just had to kind of put that out there and let everyone know that we will be spoiling it. So, without further ado, let's kind of kick it off uh, with the agenda tonight. So, Ryan, what games have you been playing recently? So, I've
0: been pretty busy with supplier trips and things, so my... uh, my time to play video games has been less than adequate, <laughs> um, okay. unfortunately. But I, I put about uh, maybe fifteen hours into both Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Which um, no, which Dark Souls are you playing? Dark Souls three. Okay, yeah, um, because Rusty and I are going through that one together and mm-hmm. having a lot of fun. And then I just picked up Minecraft again. Got it on the PS4. So I uh, created... number
1: ten on your favorite games of all time. Yeah, yes. and then number one and number three for Dark Souls and Bloodborne. So nice. Yeah, it's having a lot of fun. Cool, cool. So I have a game that I want to talk about tonight, and I kind of want to do a a really in-depth talk about this just because I don't think enough people have played it, but it's a game called Ukulele on the PlayStation 4. It's a 3D platformer in the vein of Banjo-Kazooie, Super Mario 64, even like Ratchet & Clank and Jackson Daxter. Uh, But what's really interesting about this game is that it was originally funded on Kickstarter. So this was a project that was started by six um, former Rare employees, so Rare being the developer for games like Donkey Kong 64, Golden Eye, Perfect Dark, all of those, um, you know, classic games in the N64 era, Um, and even later on you had games like, um, uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, um, Weirdo Connect games that they got into, and, uh, Perfect Dark uh, Zero on the Xbox 360, all that, all those games, but, What's really interesting is they originally asked for about 250 grand and within like 2 weeks they had um, received 3 million dollars for this game. Wow. So, it was immediately funded. They bumped the production team up to about 15 people. And basically, you control this little lizard guy and you have a little companion on your head who's like a little purple bat. So, it's very similar to Banjo-Kazooie and and again, I need to kind of um, say that this is a spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie, uh, the N64 platformer. So it has many similarities to that game structurally. So from the the opening uh, title screen, uh, the selection menu, it is almost cut and paste a reflection of Banjo Kazooie. So right then, it was just for me um, a nostalgia overload. Just seeing that title screen, I was like immediately, you know, sent back to when I originally was playing Banjo Kazooie. But there's also um, just a lot of similarities from the way the game plays and controls. So I just kind of want to dig into some of those you know, kind of components to, so people can kind of understand um, how the game plays. So first of all, it looks beautiful. I think it's one of the most beautiful platformers I've played in many, many years. Um, and the music, the music, all I need to say is Grant Kirkhope. So for most... That game, name probably will render crickets. But for anyone yep, that enjoyed <laughs> anyone that enjoyed the N sixty four great games like Golden Eye, Perfect Dark, Donkey Kong sixty four, Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Tooie, he composed the soundtracks to all of those games, and he returns for this game as well, and he composed the soundtrack. and And while I doesn't really hold a candle to you know Perfect Dark and Banjo Kazooie and those games, um, it certainly Um, has some memorable tunes and a lot of the the songs almost sound exactly like they were in Banjo Kazooie. Um, So in that regard, it's, it's great. I I love the music. It looks beautiful. You basically, the main theme of the game is in the very beginning, Yuka and Laylee. So Yuka is the little lizard guy and Laylee is his little bat friend. They're like sunbathing just kind of casually hanging out. And the weird villain who has a striking resemblance to Gru from the Despicable Me movies. He has this plan to, of course, overtake the world, and by doing so, he steals this little profit book from the Lely, the little bat guy. And so you're then sent on this quest to essentially collect these little things called pages, which are (laughs) literal (laughs) pages in a book. Okay, so... And the pages have eyes. They're like these cute little adorable gold pages. Again, just a complete throwback to some of the character animations and models from the game, like the Banjo-Kazooie games. And so you kind of interact with all kinds of different little animals and and friends that help you along this journey. So you collect these pages. You go to, like, there's five different worlds. You start in a hub world. And from the hub world, um, you can kind of be directed and transition into these different, you know, sub-worlds. And the sub-worlds, you basically enter them by going into... Pages like you open the, the, they are called grand tomes. So you enter these different books, and there's different themed worlds. So the first ones are
0: like N64. Like the uh, picture frames? Yeah, right?
1: so very similar to Super Mario 64 entering the picture frames. Um, just different themed worlds in that regard. Okay. So the first one, you're in like this little tropical island location. Um, I'm only about six hours into the game. The second world that I just got into is a... Um... It's because you didn't sleep last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was too busy playing. It was so fun. <laughs> uh, you're ba- it's called like Glacier Peak. So it's very similar to Freezy Peak, if you're uh, familiar with the Banjo-Kazooie games. And uh, in each game, of course, you have very... Uh, You know, enemies that are kind of, uh, I guess, specific to that world. So, of course, when you're in the the Glacier world, you have, like, little snowmen running around that you have to fight and stuff like that. But there's no gimmicks here. Like, what I love about it is just very traditional. There's no guns. There's no weapons. Um, It's just you as these two little characters running around, jumping, smashing things. Um, Of course, since you're like a little lizard gecko guy, you can kind of um, suck in different like abilities on plants. So you can like have like a fire ability, a water ability, and that really kind of helps facilitate puzzle solving in certain um, platforming segments and stuff like that. My really only real gripe with the game is that oftentimes I found myself kind of struggling where I'm supposed to go. There's not really any real sense of direction. Hmm. But at the same time, I feel like that could be a positive because it kind of really does Um, Encourage exploration, and you're kind of rewarded from that by finding, you know, different um, collectibles and stuff like that. And some other similarities that I really liked from Banjo Kazooie is uh, if you're familiar with that game, you'll you'll remember Mumbo Jumbo, the weird little shaman guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how he sounds. If you play the games, you totally know. Um, he, He was like a little shaman that, like, basically. Um, transformed you into like different things. Like in one of the worlds, you were like an ant and you needed to be that ant to kind of get to certain areas in a particular level. And so in this game, you have this like weird little squid lady and she does the same thing. She helps turn you into um, like in the tropical island place, you were a plant. And as when you were a plant, you could talk to other plants that would help facilitate puzzle solving and get to certain areas of the level. So in that regard, it's, it's just really, really fun and unique. I don't think there's enough 3D platformers, I think, after the PlayStation 2 era, when there was just a great abundance of them, because, you know, any time a childhood uh, animated movie came out, there was, like, some 3D platformer to kind of, whether it was, like, Chicken Little or even um, all the Nickelodeon shows, SpongeBob, there were tons of 3D platformers, but then there were also, um, you know, the great 3D platformers, like Ratchet & Clank, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, Um, but I think there's just a significant lack of those types of games today. And so I just want to encourage people to check this game out. Um, it's really crippling to me because $3 million were funded, you know, to get this game um, greenlighted. But what's what's killing me is that, you know, I, I beat the first boss and I got the trophy. And I always look at the trophy when I unlock a trophy just to see how many people got it. Yeah. And I wrote it down, 36% of people that started the game beat the first boss. Sounds like Dark Souls numbers. Yeah, it can't be that <laughs> exactly. So very few people are really playing this game, and if they are, they're not making it very far. So I would just say, stick with it. If you already played it and really didn't, you know, it didn't really strike you or draw you in initially, give it another shot. And if you haven't played it yet, you can get this game again. It's on Mac, PC. You can get it on the Nintendo Switch. You can play it on the go. You can get it on PS4 and Xbox One for less than twenty dollars right now. So. If you like 3D platformers and just want to be... If you enjoyed them growing up, please play this game. It really deserves your intention, attention. How did you ha- hear, of it? hear about it? I heard about it when it was initially um, when it was initially talked about, when they said that Rare, uh, ex-Rare developers were going to be creating a platformer in the vein of Banjo-Kazooie, or that it was literally going to be the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. I immediately was drawn to it. Um, but, of course, I didn't have a PlayStation 4 when it initially came out. I kind of forgot okay. about it, and then I wasn't. I was in. I was in, in GameStop one day and uh, saw it, and I was like, "I need to get that." So, uh, less than twenty dollars, I picked it up, and it definitely was worth. Well, worth the money. So,
2: nice.
1: um, have a couple other games, but I'm not gonna really go into. it. I just wanted to really talk about that, and hopefully, I'll have further impressions maybe next week when we when we record. So, um, yeah, let's get to talk about Star Wars. Yes. So let's start with Star Wars video games.
0: Yeah, sounds so, good.
1: All right. So, what were
0: some of your favorites growing up? Um, you kind of have to start out and mention the Battlefronts. Um, don't want to spend too much time because we talked a little bit about them last week with favorite games. Just to clarify, the older ones. Yeah, the original ones. Yep. Um, the new ones. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the old ones, Battlefront One, good, and then the improvement, Battlefront Two. Oh yeah. And then you have Moss Eisley. <laughs> <laughs> Moss like Eisley. I, I said it last time, but you, you just have to reiterate. Just the oh, the
1: hero battles for the number of hours. So many hours. Literal, literally dozens for me. I mean, maybe maybe even a hundred. I don't even know. It was crazy. The amount of easily a hundred hours. The amount of sleepovers that I had with with my buddies is just endlessly simming that level, just nonstop, yeah. nonstop. I have found that you can collide two Wookiee
0: rockets, so two of your friends colliding those rockets in midair. Really? Interesting. It took us about 45 minutes, but we got there.
1: <laughs> Man, I, w- I wish I still had that kind of time in my life that I could just sit there and try and collide two Wookiee bullets from Chewie's uh, blaster. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too.
0: Don't we all? Responsibility suck. Yeah. Um, so then after that, it get into the uh, Force Unleashed. Um, they didn't... I really like the dive into the Force. uh, Because they couldn't really do it in a lot of the movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, back in the days in the 70s, you couldn't just for technology's sake. And now, it would kind of make it uneven with lightsaber fights and all the Force. I mean, they do lightning Mm -hmm. um, and kind of really large jumps. Yeah, But um, there's a really cool scene in, I think, the second one where um, you play as Darth Vader's apprentice. And he's surrounded by stormtroopers, and he just uses like this force push, like in a a orb bubble thing, and Mm -hmm. they just disintegrate. That's awesome. And then you see Darth Vader behind him, and uh, just the visual—I almost did a Infinity Wars thing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers. They they just disintegrate, and you just just seeing Darth Vader in the background. Yeah, um, is awesome. Um, so then another one that I've been playing it's a mobile game Star Wars Galaxy Heroes oh yes um, I started two years ago so towards when it originally was released um, during Force Awakens time frame I put too much time and too much money into I was about to say you
1: know what? Like, would, is this like too classified information do you want to disclose how much money you've pumped into that this game that is too dis- it's classified okay because you know? <laughs> it hurts me inside to think about yeah. yeah I mean
0: like so when I got my first rl job yeah um i was like oh i'm gonna celebrate and i got like a hundred dollars yeah worth of like character so because i didn't have everyone back yeah. then so yeah. i it, i mean it's just fun and like it's it's pretty much gambling when yeah. you have those random um yeah way like too loot, much loot boxes essentially yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah it's made by ea so loot boxes <laughs> yeah um loot yeah whatever they're called but it's a lot of fun, it's a strategy, you get to pick your teams, synergize, and
1: you have guilds and raids and stuff. And it's like a turn-based, you know, Star Wars game. I mean, what's not to like there? And I think what one of the most unique things, too, is that... Yeah, because you played for a while. Yeah, and you got me on, and I played for about 8 to 10 months, maybe almost a year, um, and I really enjoyed it. I probably ended up putting about $50 into it, uh, but what's and so... And I put $50 into it for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, you did do that, so I could get Dark Nihilus. i such a good brother. Uh, yeah, you are. Uh, um, but what's what I love about it too is that each character, of course, has their unique animations and attacks. So it's just really fun to see, especially Darth Nihilus when he does this like little force sucking, like you were talking about, yeah, or what you're going to eventually talk about with uh, Darth. Well, I don't want to get spoilers about some of your favorite characters? But he has that like force sucking ability, and, like sucks the life out of people. It's, just it's all really... that. It's all about the force sucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, I loved. I, I really enjoyed my time with the game, but it was just. Like those those types of mobile games, it just required you to log in multiple times a day, and uh, it just yeah. got to be too much. But It gets tedious over the long run. Yeah. Um, I'm at the point of no return. Yeah. <laughs> <So,
0: laughs> You're way down the, the Sarlacc pit. You're just not coming back at this uh, point. I'm going to bobo Fett my way out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, the next one is nice of the Old Republic. Cool. Yeah. Um, I really like the exploration of... Well, in general, I like history. Mm -hmm. So you have these, like, the first six, eight movies, I guess. Um, And then seeing what happened towards the beginning, or thousands of years ago. Yeah. um, It's really interesting to me. And then... um, you have such unique characters through those games.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then you get to pick what, if you want to be light side, dark side, how you interact. It's kind of Mass Effect-esque. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it was made by Bioware. Pre-Mass so. Ma- Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, no, really fun. Uh, good games. Cool. What about you? Yeah, well, I had a quick story about KOTOR. So I actually went into GameStop years ago, and this is when they were originally phasing out, like, Xbox, PS2, and GameCube games, uh, which was a very sad time. And this this young boy was there with his mom, and they were ahead of me in line, and, and he had a just a bag just stocked to the brim full of original Xbox games, and of course the GameStop employee told him that they were no longer accepting trade-ins for for those types of games, and and so I asked him, I was like, hey, would you guys mind if I just kind of quickly look through the bag, and if there's any games, I'll I'll pay you guys cash right here, and they said, can you do s-
0: that in the store or behind the store, yeah. like a
1: shady transaction? Yeah, the guy, right now, no, like- the guy was like. Go for it, yeah, because we can't accept them, and we'll give you guys pennies. We'll strip the the case, throw it away, and put the disc on the shelf, anyways. So uh, they didn't say that, but that's probably what they would have yeah, done. Probably, throwing yeah, probably. Thrown away the cases. But um so I asked them if I could, you know, look through the bag, and I did, and I saw Couture One and Two, and I asked them, I was like, "What are you guys looking for these two games here?" And the mom was like, uh, "Yeah, gosh, they're such old games. Five dollars for the both of them? Man, I threw five dollars <laughs> that lady faster than I, you know." Yeah, so I got th- I got both the games for five bucks, and uh, I haven't played either of them, and it's been like five years. So nice. good on kind me. Kind of how I did the first Kingdom Hearts on <laughs> Expo- or on oh, PS3. PS3. Yeah, yeah, but um, fun story there. Definitely looking forward to jumping into both of those games at some point in the the future. But some games that I love, uh, you know, everyone's played Battlefront and things like that. But I kind of wanted to talk about some of the maybe the less talked about games. Um, the first one being. A game I mentioned last podcast is Shadows of the Empire on the N64. Mm -hmm. You play as Dash Rendar himself, and he plays very similar to, like, a Han Solo-like character. So it's basically like a third-person action shooter game, and uh, you traverse the world. It's a little janky nowadays. It's kind of hard to go back to. Um, But for the memories I have watching my uncle play it growing up, it's it's just a fun game to kind of go back to every now and again. Um, And Dash Rendar, that name. What a name, man. What a name. Uh, episode 1 Racer on the N64, also available on Dreamcast. How could you not mention that game? Um, I know you played it on PC back in the day. I did. Um, I, I love customizing my pod. <laughs> I think I ended Don't up... we all love customizing our pod? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sentence.
0: No. Oh, god, I ended up rage quitting because I cut. Oh, as a kid, you definitely interpret different stats differently. So I think I maxed out the stat that I didn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And then I lost repeatedly, and then I
1: rage quit. But, but it was still it was it was it's all about the pod customization. It is so much about yeah. the pod. But anyway, so like I remember growing up, and granted, the, the say what you will about the prequels, I agree that especially one, it's not great. But the pod racing scene, I think, is actually very well done. And as a kid, it was just a magical experience seeing that and being able to kind of pilot those you know ground ship things um, in a video game was really cool. And what I actually want to quickly talk about is a place called GameWorks. I don't know if you've ever been there. Very similar no. to Dave & Buster's, just a giant arcade. I remember going in there at maybe around the time of um, the Phantom Menace's release, and they had a giant anacon... An- anacon. An- <laughs> Anakin. I, I was thinking you were say anaconda. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. No. Really related to games. No. But cool. Anakin's pod racer was essentially an arcade cabinet, so you could literally That'd sit inside yeah. it and you had like you know like the little stick shift things that you would control that would you, you would use to control the ship. Really cool. I haven't seen that arcade. cabinet I know for in years. Japan you can do that with Mario Kart. Yes. They have
0: those. Yeah. And you can chuck bananas if you bring them and.
1: Yeah. Um. So that was really cool to be able to play that. I hope someday I can kind of find that arcade cab in the wild again and and play that. But that would be a
0: a heck of a seat just in your living room. Can you imagine like get like a? I mean, I don't know if it went out of business. Did it go out of business?
1: GameWorks. It's not at the
0: mall that it used to be at, so I'm not sure. Well, hopefully it went out of business, so one of those is on the market. Yeah, for real. And put like a leather seat in it. That would be super, dude.
1: That would be. Really? I'll talk
0: to Lauren and see what you can find yeah. for
1: a Christmas gift or something. <laughs> 15 grand. <laughs> but anyways, a couple other Tax games returns. I want to quickly yeah, talk about. Uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, a game on the PlayStation 2, GameCube. I don't know if it was on Xbox or not, but uh, you basically played as Django Fett. Again, not a great game. Um, not a whole lot of people talk very positively about it, but I enjoyed it when I played it. Going back to it, it might be a little rough, um, but I think any game when you're playing as Django Fett is pretty neat. The more Mandalorians, the better. Yeah, really? I, don't I don't really know what that word means, but we're just gonna. No, no,
0: it's it's just bounty hunters, and the Mandalorians are more or less like assassin ninjas, and they're they grown up in war, gotcha. kind of like the Spartans. Okay, and they just they have jetpacks.
1: Yeah, they and, do. Oh, no, but it was it was a fun so little good. fun little game. Jedi Knight Jedi Outcast Two. This is a game I played on the um, original Xbox. And, you know, it was a sequel to, I think, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, but... Okay, so this is after Jedi Academy. Yes, yes. Okay. And so, you the natural progression, Jedi Knight, you go from the, you know, the Academy, you're in school, and you're now a Jedi Knight with a little rat tail or whatever. Okay, so it's still the same gameplay type as yeah. Jedi Academy. Yeah, so basically a third-person action game, Um, but what was so unique, you know, the campaign was fun, but what was really enjoyable was the multiplayer. So, similar to Perfect Dark I talked about last episode, you can kind of customize the the skirmishes so that you have AI-controlled bots. And that would be fun in and of itself, you know, similar to Battlefront. Mm -hmm. But what really made it is you could customize your lightsaber. So you could have two lightsabers. You could have one. You could have Darth Maul-like lightsaber. But it gets better. You can customize the color. You could have purple. You could have black, white, green, red, blue, any color of the rainbow. That you wanted. For the number of hours I fantasized about <laughs> light having a lightsaber
0: of my own. Yeah. To the extent that I asked my physics teacher in college... Oh my gosh. ...how I make a lightsaber. He came up with an answer. Yeah? But he never told me how to customize
1: the color. Interesting. That's That's like the Jedi... Yeah, it's important. You can't know, it was you can't my ascension
0: into becoming a man, you know, or becoming a Jedi. It's Become a,
1: a physics professor. That's like, you know, the yeah. last thing that they he tell you. He was talking
0: about plasma and <laughs> magnetic
1: fields, and I just want how do oh I make gosh. it green? Yeah. So, in any case, Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast 2 was a lot of fun. Um, lost dozens of hours playing the multiplayer. I think you can get it on PC, uh, Steam. I think they still have servers up that, I'm sure, I would not, stuff. would not be surprised. Last game I want to talk about, I uh, actually have a quick, fun little story to tell. So, around the time that Revenge of the Sith came out, uh, I was at my mom's, and I don't even know, for whatever reason, it was like a Saturday, I was down in the dumps for whatever reason. My mom came in my room, she's like, Rusty, why don't we just go to the video game store, you can pick a game off the shelf, any game you want, and I'll get it for you. So, mom, you're super rad, love you. Uh, we went to a place that is now bankrupt, no longer in existence. Blockbuster. No. Surprisingly not. Media play. I doubt very many people even know what that is. They had like hundreds of rows of... Shady man's blockbusters. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. No, so they had like hundreds of rows of like CDs and just albums and stuff like that. So it makes sense that they go under just because everything was going to Spotify and iTunes and all that fun stuff. But I went through the Nintendo DS section and I came across a copy of Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith. And I thought, you know what, I'm I'm gonna give this a shot. I always loved movie-based games growing up, so I figured this would be no different. And it wasn't, surprisingly, really took me sur- by surprise. Especially, um, you know, the the PS2 Xbox counterpart is actually a fun game too. But it's it's more of a third third-person action-based game um, where you, of course, control like Anakin and Obi Wan. There was also a um, a fighter, like a a 2D Or no, it was like a 3D fighter arena multiplayer game component to that game too, which was fun. But the DS game is what I want to talk about specifically. It was basically an old school Super Nintendo like beat-em-up game similar to like the Simpsons Arcade or, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Think of it like that. Um, Of course, you played as Anakin and Obi-Wan playing through the story of uh, Revenge of the Sith. But what was really unique about this game is that it was RPG-like in the fact that you could upgrade certain attributes to your characters. So whether it was like Force abilities, throwing your lightsaber, things like that. You kind of enhance your attributes as you progress through the game. Mm-hmm. So it was really unique in that sense that it had like this RPG kind of mechanic to it. Um, and, man, I'd, I'd really encourage people, if you have not played it, try and seek out a copy. It's actually really fun. But it's rated M because you have to go to the Jedi Council at the end is Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> actually... I kid you not. Now that you say that, horrible. I feel like there's like a little sprite conversation because, of course, once Anakin does decide to turn, he has you know he has his cloak over his head. Yeah. I think I remember the scene. There's like a little boy in the game, you know, and he asks like. Mr. Skywalker. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Of course, you don't hear his voice. It's all text. Yeah. Because there's no like voice acting in the game, but it's funny you mention that. I think that's actually just is. imagine. You know
0: how people complain about Doom and stuff. Yeah. Imagine if it's just like a you go into a Star Wars game, you're like, oh, it's cool. It's I mean, maybe it'll be violent. That's why it's M. Yeah. And then it's just this entire like
1: level of you going through the Jedi Council. Oh boy, nah
0: yeah. That so, would be
1: dark. Someone would complain. Probably, yeah. but uh, but a fun little game. You can actually get on the Game Boy Advance as well. It plays plays very similarly, but I think the DS is definitely the superior version. Probably get it for, like, less than $10 these days. But definitely check out Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, on DS. Um, you want to talk about our favorite Star Wars characters?
0: Yeah, sure. Go for it, man. All right. So my favorite Star Wars character, um, he's not, like, a white bread character. <laughs> kind of like Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan. So the characters that I'm going to choose. Most likely. Um, it's, I mean, coming off my favorite game being Bloodborne was super dark and... Not the friendliest of things. Obviously, my characters aren't going to be the happiest. So I really like like General Grievous. Mm-hmm. Um, his character design is amazing. I don't think he got enough screen time because a lot of his action and scenes were covered in the Clone Wars uh, cartoon, cartoon mm-hmm. which is worth seeing. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, you won't regret it. Um, I really like Darth Maul. Once again, I don't think he got enough screen time. No. They should have kept him alive as... Did you ever watch that YouTube video where they, like, this guy, he remade the first three plots? No, I don't As, think so. Yeah, it's like if Star Wars episode one, two, and three were good. <laughs> okay. Not to, like, crap on Star Wars the first three episodes on a Most Star Most people War- do. You're not yeah. alone. Okay, so this is worth... He storyboards the first three episodes, and it's worth, worth watching in order. Okay. Um, but they give Darth Maul... Because, like, I mean, he kills his master, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so they make him one of the lead antagonists throughout. Interesting. And it, there's a fighting,
1: I mean, you have that tension throughout. How neat would it have been if Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith was Anakin striking down Darth Maul to kind of claim the throne as Emperor Palpatine's apprentice or something like that? Yeah. Because imagine that battle, like between Maul and, and hardcore Anakin. That would have been really neat. Yeah. Just Maul and anyone. Anything. I mean, he's so great. Because I think they
0: used Maul as, like, an assassin because he was more or less tortured by uh, Darth Sidious the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, which you never saw, which would have... Been,
1: yeah, there was just so much potential there.
0: Yeah. Um, but my favorite character, just for his uniqueness, um, is Darth Nihilus. Mm-hmm. His mask is amazing. And Star Wars is really defined And I mean, I guess a lot of things are defined by their masks. Yeah. So you have Darth Vader, probably... I mean, not the most iconic, but one of the most iconic people yeah. in all of movies. Yeah, um, you have like the Spartan helmet in RL. You have like Shoguns, like the um, samurai kind of helmets, and Darth Nihilus and like Darth Revan really have iconic. Um, Kotor masks. Yeah. Um, no, and I then love... Kylo Ren's trying to do his thing, but he. <laughs> he, uh, he smashes it in anger. Yeah, and um, he gets crapped on by Snoke. Um, but his story, Darth Nihilus, he, like, he used to be a Sith Lord with a potentially a family, and then he gets hit by a mass shadow generator, and it kind of. He becomes a wound of the Force, and he just has this uninsatiable hunger. Um, for force energy and he's just constantly feeding I mean to the point that he consumes entire planets for their force energy that's so awesome um, it's it just how crazy that is I mean you have the newer characters which, which you can actually put on a screen like Darth Nihilus is more yeah. conceptual like I picture him consuming a planet as um, like Guardians of the Galaxy when the um, Celestial had the power stone um, yeah. in his staff and just destroys the planet in the collector's area yeah yeah I, I think they could do it now and a KOTOR movie or just I apologize in
1: advance if you hear like the garbage truck that's just
0: like casually just just
1: destroying our audio yeah no
0: yeah I think a KOTOR movie and like being able to visualize like Darth Nihilus yeah. Darth
1: Treya and Sion that would be amazing yeah
0: um, I just his uniqueness and his mask is, he's just awesome
1: yeah and we'll kind of talk about later I mean like the you know the possibility and the practicality of, of visiting the KOTOR the universe for um, Ryan Johnson's trilogy of movies. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to see that. That would just be so cool. And, and just to see Darth Nihilus on screen would just be... Anywhere s- you can expand the lore,
0: I mean, and kind of... We don't know where the KOTOR... If it's actually canon or not. Yeah. So anything before Phantom Menace... I mean, you have the books and all that stuff, but yeah. what... A lot of it got scrapped, so we don't know if it's just, what do they call it, legends? So um, we, it's, yeah. these are potentially canon and not, yeah. or not, I think getting a start to the universe and kind of that early history um, would be amazing.
1: No, I agree entirely. So is that it? Yeah. Good list. What about you? Uh, so I'm, like I said, going to go kind of the traditional route. bread character. Exactly. So we got Darth Vader, of course, just the most iconic villain in maybe cinema history <laughs> um, and really not even just cinema like everything you know Darth Vader's just known everywhere uh for just his iconic villain and and who he is uh love it i and more than anything as i'll get to when i talk when we talk about the movies is just his transition from light to dark to light side again um in return of the jedi um yeah it's definitely a... and James Earl Jones man voicing Vader just ah uh, awesome. so good um Next, Obi-Wan. Cannot talk about Star Wars characters without talking about uh, Obi-Wan himself. Um, super excited about... Young the... Obi-Wan or old Obi-Wan? I would have said Ben Kenobi if I meant old Obi-Wan. Okay. Yeah, so definitely younger Obi-Wan. Um, I, I can't pronounce his name. Ewan... Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Yes. Um, just a legend uh, representing that character. And if he does not reprise his role in the now-confirmed Obi-Wan movie, I'd be really bummed, especially if it's going to be set after Revenge of the Sith... Um, well, so it, can, it was
0: confirmed, I the, the
1: movie itself was confirmed. I thought he was confirmed. He has not been confirmed, but he has expressed he, interest he in... He has
0: rep- on, like, late-night TV shows, even. He said, uh, yeah, if yeah, they come to me, they just haven't yet.
1: Yeah, so he's expressed interest saying that he would like to reprise the, the character if he had his own singular movie. And it, it'd only make more sense because this movie is going to take place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, so it's going to be a little bit more of an aged Obi-Wan anyways... And Ewan McGregor, I mean, he's 47 now, so he's a little bit older since... you I mean, he's 10 years older since... Yeah, Adventure I his age offhand. Dude, <laughs> I know stupid stuff about celebrities. I'm just really weird like yeah. that, especially Star Wars uh, characters. I, I, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I and his birthday is, and his <laughs> no, I don't. So security numbers. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know he that. He is this insurance. Okay, moving along here. <laughs> Kylo Ren is my third favorite character. I think the potential for this character... Um, I don't even know. I mean, we ha- There's. it's going to make or break it in episode nine, you mm-hmm. know, for my love for this character. But right now, I just love his progression in both movies. I love the uncontrollable emotional mess that he is. People, I mean, he's really a love he, or hate character. Yeah, he's like you. Exactly. <laughs> just, <laughs> just emotionally yeah. distraught. Yeah, just you love you, they hate you. Yeah, oh gosh, people don't know what to say or about warned. me. It's just, yeah, man, God love her. So anyways, <laughs> Kylo Ren, I will probably talk a lot more in depth when we talk about the last jedi why yeah. he kind of represents one of my favorite characters but i, I don't want to kind of spoil that before we get into that discussion so sounds good so let's kind of talk about which side of the force we would reside on would you be light or dark so i've spent probably like most things way too many hours thinking about Did this You make an excel spreadsheet like kind of detailing like breaking it down whether or not you'd go excel is my jam <laughs> if it isn't on excel it doesn't matter Wow. You heard it here, folks. Let's get that, like, signature quoted, put on, like, a plaque in your room or something. So, yeah. No, seriously. Um, Excel
0: is the way to go. He's doing Word, so that's BS. (laughs) You just You can't... Okay, I'm not going to go into an Excel rant, but... So, for most of my games, I mean, from last week, they're super dark, and... Usually, I tend to go dark side. My uh, my name, it would be Darth Cole if I were to turn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, but analyzing the two... So Context, they, that's your last name. Yeah. yeah, Dude, I was trying to hide my <laughs> identity. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah. But, all right, spoilers. That's, yeah. um Yeah, so the Jedi and the Sith have very different tenets in two very different ways. And I think going right to the light side, I mean... The way that the Jedi practices what they believe is almost cultish. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of have to cut off your family. Um, You can't have any relationships. It's kind of purely this is... You're more or less a monk um, from how I see it. Um, Yeah, I sound like Anakin. (laughs) 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 Like... Never, From my, never my perspective, yourself. the Jedi are evil. <laughs> oh gosh! Uh, so yeah, so the tenets of the Jedi are: there are no, or there is no emotion. There is peace. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the Force. So it has the Force in the end, um, but it's kind of a creepy way about going about it. Um, the Sith, on the other hand. Their tenants. I'm going to read through them, um, but it's easy to manipulate that and go towards, hey, I'm going to murder the Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is peace is a lie, starting off strong. Um, <laughs> there is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The Force shall free me. Um, so a few, I mean, for both of those... I mean, for the Jedi, you have peace and knowledge, which I f- value, um, and then for the Sith, passion, strength, and victory. Um, but kind of the combination of the two, or the strengths of both, watch are the, where watch the sneaky. You have one clippity, portion of this freaking table. Floors, things. Yeah. Going on. Um, so. Yeah, I, th- I think a combination of the both. So where that falls, instead of the dark and the light, you have a gray in between. Okay. Um, so there's passion, yet peace. There's serenity, yet emotion. There's chaos, yet order. There is no dark side, nor the light side. There's only the Force.
1: So both sides have the Force. <laughs> Man, I introduced you as my brother-in-law. Should I <laughs> introduce you as my Edgar and Poe in the beginning yeah. of this episode? What is this? What is life? <laughs> what is the force? Oh my
0: gosh! Um, yeah, I think the force is the kind of obviously the binding factor of the universe. Wow, that sounds Foundly clearly, of um, but it's the combination of both the good of both of the two tenants mm-hmm. um, and creating the in between. Yeah. What about you? After I go on a yeah, five-minute so, rant, you know, you have
1: your three encyclopedias of notes over there yeah. for this portion of the episode, I had bullet points, and I basically, you know, for my Topic header, it was, you know, lighter Dark Side. And my bullet point was, I would be Fulcrum Ahsoka Tano. Which yes. essentially is the layman's terms of <laughs> yeah. that rant that you just had. So, yeah. It's, yeah. if you've watched... Spark version. <laughs> exactly. If you've watched Star Wars Rebels, it's a TV show that actually just wrapped up its fourth and final season. Mm-hmm. Um, really excellent. I've watched the first three and uh, definitely recommend it. But this kind of takes place... 14 years after the Clone Wars cartoon series. So in the Clone Wars, Ahsoka uh, Tano was Anakin's, you know, padawan, little apprentice. And after he, of course, turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader, she kind of becomes this kind of rogue agent of the Force, I would say. It's kind of probably the best way to kind of explain her role in the series. Um, she, of course, becomes a kind of a prominent role in the Rebels series. And what I love about her, and she was actually a playable character on Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. And, and she was OP. She is. For her time. She's my favorite character in the game, uh, at least when I played it. But in any case, she has these two white lightsabers that are just so cool looking. And I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but her confrontation with Vader in Rebels is really special. Especially just a moment a moment that they share is just the dialogue between them is really cool so if you haven't watched rebels definitely check that out but at least for coming back to the topic of discussion for me personally if i was a force user you know in the star wars universe i think i'd be somewhere in the middle because I wouldn't be, like, murdering little kids in, like, a training room, you know, in the Jedi Council. Which is surprising. <laughs> yeah, That's think? actually where I see you go. Oh, okay, wow, okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm uh, making great impressions. You, met, you let me marry your sister. Yeah, I must have missed that one when I <laughs> yeah, called wow. my friend to get a backtrade. It's back a drink. glaring uh, yeah. a miss there. But any case... It's the potential that you can't see. It's just I could only see the past stuff that yeah. you have done But speaking show. of marriage, I also wouldn't be a Jedi because there's, like, you can't have any kind of emotion or... Wife or love interest, significant other or anything. You like sound
0: that. like a serial killer on that side, too. <laughs> oh gosh, like with no emotion and yeah. like cut off all per- ties. Yeah, but I, I think one of the, you'd also have to have a white lightsaber because that they just look look amazing. They look so. I think cool. it was Force Unleashed, the first one, or yeah. the, I mean maybe the second one as well, where you could get a black and I think it was outlined by white. Mm-hmm. But like a black or white lightsaber just look amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. So entirely. I don't know if it's. I think it's so like the red lightsaber is they it's a synthetic kind of the dark side pours their hate into this crystal and turns it red. Oh, okay. The Jedi, they go to planets and they go into these caves and it's kind of their making your lightsaber for the first time is your ascension into becoming a Jedi. Or it's like become, becoming a man or becoming a woman kind of thing for that Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then I think because she renounced or Fulcrum renounced the Jedi ways it had something to do with her force kind of evening out and mm. becoming in the middle okay. that it kind of turned into a white lightsaber. That's not... I
1: don't know if that's true, but I believe I read that somewhere. Yeah, no, that sounds right. I mean, another thing, too, that I love, and, you know, we're going to talk about The Last Jedi, but what that I love about Rey is I kind of see her on that same line of the spectrum as, as Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, she gets really angry. Well, I love it in the throne room, and we're going to kind of detail this scene, but when she is fighting one of the Praetorian guards... There's this guy that has like these two blades and she does this sweet like little maneuver with her, her lightsaber and then she just like screams at the top of her lungs and then just chases towards him and starts yeah. fighting him. You know, I love that she kind of like channels that energy and anger and frustration, but not to the point of being someone like Vader or Kylo that just has hate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's channeled. It's It has a purpose. Yeah. And I, and I like that. So that's why she I uses love... uses the same like
0: form yeah. as the... Not the more like dark side users, the more attack and she I kind think, of old form
1: it? six or seven. Yeah, nine and a half actually is what I read. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're talking <laughs> gibberish okay. at this point, but I love you don't, how... you don't research no, the forms I... of dark or lightsaber fighting. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, I, I then oh my gosh, we're continuing to lose credibility here or or it's gain a... to some. We might be gaining credibility. We we, we research lightsaber handling, people skills. are figuring out where the off button is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a talent all of its own. Yeah. Uh, it's a form. I think we've pretty much driven this point of the ground. Any other, you know, topics of discussion here about light and dark side? No. Okay. No, just sitting somewhere in the middle. All right. Happy meet him. Yin and yang in it. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> okay. We've got yeah. off the deep end. So on
1: to um, ranking
0: mm-hmm. our movies. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Hey, folks. This is that time in the podcast where we invite all of you to give your sensitive ears a break from our seemingly endless babbling. Some call it an intermission. We call it a lull in audio. Be back shortly. All right, so now we are going to get into the thick of the Star Wars movies. So first, we're going to talk about our first experiences watching the movies. We're going to rank uh, all of them, excluding Rogue One, right? Yeah, that's correct. And then we are going to really do a detailed analysis of The Last Jedi, kind of our thoughts, breaking down what we like about it, what we don't like, and kind of our hopes for Episode 9. And then, really, we're going to talk about the future of Star Wars movies and kind of where we see the series going, what uh, Ryan Johnson has planned for uh, his trilogy, and all of that fun stuff. But without further ado, why don't you talk about kind of your first experiences watching the original trilogy, I assume? Yeah, so it's kind of a blur
0: as a... As a little kid, I don't know when I saw the original three. I just remember I saw the the 70s versions first. Um, so then kind of my first experiences with that were um, fighting with sticks in the woods. Um, obviously, a parent's nightmare seeing kid neighborhood kids running around with sticks hitting each other, um, claiming to be Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Um, definitely what happened, though... Um, Yes, stitches were involved.
1: <laughs> There's no other way. There's yeah. no other way.
0: <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So, And then after that, I saw The Phantom Menace so when the prequels started coming out. Um, and that's when we kind of got into that pod racing game on the computer. Um, that was It was just a lot of fun to see Annie as a little kid and then progress into Clone Wars as a teen as I grew up and got into my teen years. Um, yeah, I... I never looked like Anakin Skywalker, nor got an Amidala. You didn't have one of those rat tails hanging from the yeah. side of your head? I never rode pigs in bad CGI or... Yeah. Um, so with the second movie, I think that's when the first Battlefront came out because they had the Battle of Geonosis and you had the Geonosians when you got those like little bubble look guns. Um, and then it kind of transitioned into the final movie to come out was the Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my dog back in the day, she used to follow me around and I remember just pretending that I was Imperial marching around my house <laughs> with my dog being a clone trooper. Um, obviously better circumstances than what happened in the end of that scene, but um, yeah, I really loved the Imperial march into the Jedi um, Council.
1: Awesome. area. What about you? So, my first experience is similar to you. I cannot really recollect a particular moment where I sat down and watched A New Hope or anything like that. What I do remember, though, is we had the VHS box set that basically had half of Vader's mask on it. Mm. It was, like, blue, and then each of the VHS tapes. So, Vader was on A New Hope. Um, There were stormtroopers... And there was a stormtrooper mask on the um, Empire with these, you know, these AT-ATs at in Hoth. You know, like that scene yeah. was on the bottom of the VHS tape. And then the third um, had puppet Yoda. And then there was, <laughs> uh, there was like on the bottom of the VHS tape, you was, it was Vader and and Luke fighting in the Emperor's throne room. I miss VHS um, tapes. And all so do are. I. And I'm sure there's so many people listening that can remember that box set because it's kind of like. They're memorable. I know for for my friends, um, specifically, all had that that set, and I think it's actually a pretty um, highly desired thing on like eBay. Oh, I'm
0: sure for collectors. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I th- there there are multiple versions because you know there was the the theatrical releases, then there were the remastered versions. And you got Star Wars Christmas. <laughs> oh gosh, don't talk about the, whole, <laughs> the holiday special. But um, yeah. but yeah, so those were kind of like my memories <laughs> watching them. I, I must have been at least. I was probably around four when I first started watching those, four or five, because my, my parents were still married. My parents got married, or divorced when I was five. So that was definitely, they were together when I first started watching those. So I had to have been at least four or five. Um, and then I remember distinctly going into the theater and watching Phantom Menace. I went with yeah. my dad, my sister, my my childhood friend, and his dad. And we actually sit on opposite sides of the theater. But I remember at the end... Um, my buddy crying when Qui-Gon died, um, but, um, Attack of the Clones, I also remember seeing in theaters and then Revenge of the Sith. I remember seeing it like opening, not opening night, but opening weekend with my cousin. We went to, I did not No, I, uh, oh. I got a box of hot tamales though. I do remember that. And, uh, we hmm. sat down in the theater and I was royally, de- uh, disappointed, uh, Really? when I watched as a kid, Revenge I was, um, but as we're going to get to here in a second, when we rank our movies, Having watched it years later, it's actually very high on my list. People will probably be surprised where I place it. So um, so where would you rank the Star Wars movies, uh, including, of course, For- Force Awakens Speaking and Speaking about Jedi? being disappointed with Revenge of the Sith,
0: um, I put that as my first one. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's your favorite Star Wars movie of all yeah. time.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the first eight, like the major ones. Yeah. The, what, what is your the, problem with that? The
1: eight people that will listen to this podcast <laughs> have unsubscribed, have clicked. No, the just, okay. No, if oh, he, my God! No. Gosh.
0: Everyone's going to say Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi,
1: and then A New Hope. That's right? not my list. but That's but, a general but list. Generally, it's Empire Strikes Back. The great majority of the people will say that, and I have a lot to say about that later on. So go ahead. Keep going. Okay, so
0: Revenge of the Sith is my favorite
1: um there's just
0: a lot of plot. Um I think it's also because of the quality of the lightsaber fight, the final battle. You got General Grievous. Though I didn't list him as my favorite character, he's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Um I really like the dark side characters. And then you got the um Emperor Palpatine with Dooku fight. Um there's just a lot of good points. You don't have so much of the mushy crap that um the Clone Wars had mm-hmm. with yeah. all that it's kind of, let's kill her and get on with this. Okay. Um, so the next one is Return of the Jedi. So kind of just like... Okay, so it's not to rant into each one. Yeah. So Return of the Jedi is next. Um, and then the next is Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, surprisingly, I put the Return of the Jedi above that. And then you get New Hope. And then Force Awakens. And then Last Jedi, Phantom Menace. And then Attack of the Clones is last.
1: Okay. That's... uh. Yeah, definitely some similarities between mine. Um, So my favorite Star Wars movie for the longest time was Empire. Um, But I would say in the last two years, um, I've actually changed to Return of the Jedi. And I think the main thing... There's a lot of moments in that movie that I really enjoy. Um, But most specifically, it's really just this internal struggle with Vader. And I love the scene when, when Luke is, you know, basically in handcuffs and Vader's taking him to the Emperor and Luke is basically talking to him. Um, father and son moment, basically saying like, Father, I know the struggle within you. I know there's still good in you. I want to help pull that out of you. And just how that all unfolds, you know, that final scene in the movie, um, I, I, it's, it's really great. I just love how Luke was able to pull him back to the light side yeah. um, because... Even Anakin, like, you know, in the first, the prequel movies, you, you could tell, like, even in Revenge of the Sith, like, the decisions he was making when, when he killed, um, or helped the Emperor kill Mace Windu, he, you know, he was crying, he was like, what have I done, you know, Mm -hmm. like, he, he he did not want to do, um, what he was doing, but, Palpatine promised that he could help him save Padme. And so that led him to the dark side. So I love that in Return of the Jedi, him coming back. And of course the Ewoks, you know, when I was a young kid watching that, that was amazing. Apparently it was supposed to be Khajiit with the Wookiee planet. Oh, really? Um, That was supposed to be the final battle?
0: No, like the Ewoks. They were originally supposed to be the Wookiee planet, and that was supposed to be Khajiit. Oh, But I think he did it because of marketing purposes for, like, toys and stuffed animals because they did so well with, like, R2-D2, and those are kind of – Yeah, that
1: That makes sense. No, I love the Ewoks, and even, like, the speeder bike scene when they're in the woods and on those, like, little uh, speeder bikes. Yeah. I love those things. Those things are really neat. Um, those traps were actually
0: set up for them dealing with... they wasn't for like dealing with the clones in like mm-hmm. the AT-ATs, but the Ewoks set up those traps to deal with one of the predators that eat oh, those Ewoks on really? the planet. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I think the Battle of Endor is great, but most specifically it's that that final scene that yeah. really kind of um, caps it for me. So going down the list, Empire Strikes Back is number two. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Return of the Jedi, Empire yeah. Strikes Back... Last Jedi yeah, coming no, seriously. in at really? number three. Three. Revenge, Above... of the, Revenge of the Sith, number four. Above New Hope? A New Hope is five. Force Awakens is six. Phantom Menace is seven. And Attack of the Clones is eight. And I just want to say this real quick because, like, there's a lot of fanboys out there that I know either have already stopped the podcast or are moaning and groaning. Like, oh, how could you put New Hope below Revenge of the Sith? That's what I'm gonna... doing over here. But you know what? I just want to talk about this real quick. You know what really grinds my gears and annoys me is all these people, like on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> right now, The yeah. it has a 90%, okay, from critics. Yeah. But the audience has continued to say they hate it, and The Last Jedi right now has like a 50% on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. People that are watching these, these newer movies, Force Awakens included, are watching them with Vaseline-stained glasses. Can we just stop it? <laughs> Like, okay, was the were the original movies great? Oh my gosh, cinematic genius. He, Lucas created a world that will forever change everyone's lives, science fiction-wise, okay? Yeah. No one's going to take that away. But I think there comes a point where we have to recognize that those movies are not the greatest movies ever made. No, I agree. And that the movies that come after, it's okay for them to be better. Now if there's as as far as the like the prequels compared to the last jedi and force awakens yes night and day night and day like i will defend the original movies till the day i die over the prequels okay i but i do like revenge of the sith but there are i can count on one hand the good things that were in attack of the clones and phantom menace combined I can count on one hand. Darth Maul is like six or five of those. Yeah, he, exactly. Darth I give you an extra finger to yeah, count Maul. Okay, but but it really just frustrates me that, you know, there's there's people going out there saying I'm never going to see a Star Wars movie again because of what Ryan Johnson did or what JJ J. Abrams did and Star Wars is done forever. Hail to the original movies. Eh, you know, like people need to stop. I lit a torch.
0: After I saw it the first time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, I think people just need to calm down and enjoy the movies for what they are, okay? Star Wars is not a religion, people. It's not. No, no, no. It's actually Stop. one of the largest religions in Australia. Okay, well... So, back off, I, I love my, Jediism. I, I love my Aussies. But you know what? People need to just take a step back, take a deep breath, go to the movies, be entertained, and calm the heck down.
0: Well, I think the people who hate Star Wars movies the most are Star Wars fans. <laughs>
1: you know, that... It's Can we quote that? Can we, like, put that somewhere? <laughs> like That could be the subtitle of this. Seriously. Like, it just... It really frustrates me that people are, like, forcing themselves... Not even forcing themselves, but just... The hate that people are throwing towards these movies is just well, I, I, unwarranted, I think. Yeah. I mean, transitioning into The
0: Last Jedi, because Rusty's rant on The Last Jedi. Yeah, I, I... Yeah. So, like, the first time I saw it, actually, my boss... We were in the middle of a meeting, and he said, hey, you want my Star Wars tickets to The Last Jedi? My uh, kid had something come up. Because you and I were going to see it Sunday,
1: and that was going to be your first show. And yeah, cause... but then you went with freaking Lauren. Well, because, Lo- okay, clearly I'm going to go see the movie with my wife opening night. We're nerd casting here. <laughs> okay.
0: And you freaking blew me off. You'll know, see it and spoil it for myself before I see it with you.
1: I I think. I was crushed. I think Lauren would have divorced me if I saw Star Wars without her. I'm I gonna divorce you from this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Whatever. Okay. Podcast is over, guys. Yeah, we had a good run of. I think one, one and, and a half, half episodes. Half. Yeah. It was good. Good run, guys.
0: No, I, the first time. So yeah, my boss gave me. I went with one of my coworkers, and we both came out of it really confused. Like I didn't know what to think the first time. Um, there was just a lot to comprehend, and it was a long. You, movie. you called me too. Yeah, I because you were there because I saw it Thursday night. You saw it yeah. Friday. Yeah, and I was. I was really torn Mm -hmm. like I don't want to instantly crap on a Star Wars movie without like any news thing you don't want to until you have all the facts and you kind of let it sink in I didn't want to do like a visceral kind of Mm -hmm. instant response so I let it kind of sink in we had a rants on what we'd liked and didn't like um and then I ended up seeing it again with you and the second time I know actually remember I bailed on that too yeah, you, I went and with And I, I didn't tell you. Lauren no, showed up at Lauren, Lauren have... the theater, and you're like, where's Rusty? <laughs> no, no, no. She told me. She's like, yeah, Rusty's afraid to talk to you because he... Uh... <laughs> no,
1: those are not my words.
0: No, no, no. That was her interpretation. He's just... She doesn't want to let you know that he I, can't come. I think I was, was studying. Stu- I was
1: studying. And hey, if I, if I would have went and saw Star Wars that day, I wouldn't have passed, and I'd be studying right now. We wouldn't be doing the podcast. So you know what? In I, I, hindsight, thank me.
0: Correlation, causation, I... Yeah, Whatever. That's, that's a jump (laughs) um so i went lauren i guess (laughs) um so i really liked it the second time um or at least it not really liked it it improved its standing from confusion and after listening to some um smoothing out i guess on the internet and some other opinions Mm -hmm. um i wasn't so much confused and i could see the smaller points in the movies and where it shined and then also where it fell short
2: yeah
1: what about you so my initial impression um, when Lor and again, I, I just want to remind the listeners that we are spoiling this movie to heck. Mm-hmm. So if you've not seen it for whatever reason, pause the the show. You've been warned. When I went and saw it for the first time, saw it Thursday night. Lauren and I ordered tickets two months in advance, and forgot about me and yeah, stop and Bridget. It's cool. And uh, but you know, I went into this fortunately completely blind because by Thursday or by Tuesday, because I think the you know. Um, the premiere happened, and reviews were going out, yeah. and already there were leaks about plot points. And I, I held back, I went into the movie completely blind, thankfully, and I will just say, when, in the Snoke's throne room, when Kylo pulls his little stunt and kills Snoke, I looked at Lauren, I grabbed her shoulder, like the Pittsburgh Steelers just won the <laughs> Super Bowl, and I just started shaking her and being like... I literally said, WTF was that. And I just, like, I was, like, cheering Kylo. And then they had that great scene after. And then slow motion. I will, okay, later on I'm going to talk about the music. Okay. I'm not overly impressed with the music in either Force Awakens or Last Jedi. But there are two songs in particular that I adore. The first being Ray's theme. I love Ray's theme. It's really, yeah, it's a bouncy. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's really good. I'm sure you've listened to that hundreds of times. A millions of times. <laughs> but the next song, it's A New Alliance. That's what it's called. Okay. And that moment when slow motion, Kylo and Rey are back to back and it's like, duh, 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 duh. And they're, and they're just like, they give each other this look. They're making eye contact and she's like, are we doing this? He's like, yeah, we're doing this. Back to back. And they just start wrecking these Praetorian guards. Yeah. I, man, it was arguably My favorite moment in Star Wars history. Yeah,
0: that's up there for me.
1: I mean, it was – because I remember I was watching critic reviews and many people quoted saying, like, possibly the greatest Jedi battle in all of the films. Yeah. You know, that moment. And so, um, you know, and so I'm getting way ahead of myself here. I know I just had to kind of nerd – nerd rant right there. He's using his hands a lot and he's freaking out over here. I'm super animated, man. But we have no air conditioning, so he's sweating talking about (laughs) this. Yeah, no, but... Okay, so, coming out of the theater, I was on cloud nine. I was... I kid you not, that was my favorite... The first time through. The first time through, I was like, that was my favorite Star Wars movie ever. Okay. Okay, so, I go up to a friend's wedding. I had a rehearsal dinner the following night. Yeah, I remember that. And so, I sat down with three of my buddies and we talked for two Mm -hmm. hours. Kind of digesting the movie, things we like, things we didn't like, like we're gonna do here. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, "Yeah, there's some serious flaws here, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not in the top, you know, my top Star Wars movie." But yeah, that said, those were kind of our initial impressions. You know, it yeah. took me a lot of time to to really digest this, and I think I think it's gonna take years for people. To really figure out... It's going to take at least episode nine. Yeah.
0: Because what they do with nine is really going to make or break this one. I think so, too. Because, every, I mean, if it's you're at 50%, I mean, that could also be the internet doing the internet and just clicking down votes to yeah. see what happens. I think so.
1: A lot of that has to do with it. I sure. think a
0: lot of it's a hyperbolic initial response. But at the same time, if we're looking at it as three movies in a progression, the final wrap-up, like The Return of the Jedi... Yep is going to really solidify where this stands. Yeah. If the plot makes sense, and if going from J.J. Abrams to Ryan to J.J. Abrams again was a good idea, or if it should have just been J.J. Abrams from the beginning for all of them, and he just, Ryan, directed it instead of having more
1: Yeah. plot. Well, I mean, you just look at trilogies of movies, you know, in the past. You you have the original, the original movies... And, all Lucas and it just continued to get better a new hope empire and then return of the Je- whatever but return of the jedi if it was a fluke then people would have been like ah oh, star wars i don't know where that yeah. went. but then you have movies like lord of the rings and all of those were great but return of the king was incredibly epic well you have
0: a climax for each movie and yeah. then you have a series climax yeah it really if you're doing a, if, you're doing a if that
1: third movie doesn't tie a, a knot on the bow like you're going to have issues like the matrix one, amazing, Reloaded, eh, Revelations, oh my gosh, what? I don't even know, let's not even speak about the, the second two movies. You know, yeah. so the third movie really is pivotal to that trilogy. So episode I mean, nine, we'll talk about it later, but it'll be interesting to see where J.J. Abrams takes it in the fan reception. I mean,
0: even going back to last episode where we were talking about Uncharted, mm-hmm. I mean, granted there's four games, but at the same time, it's the same concept of if you're you have those kind of climaxes for each game you have the final wrap-up but that end kind of how they solidify everything and how they send the audience off into whatever happens next with like Ryan's new series or just off out of the theater Mm -hmm. you want them to be in awe yeah um so it's it's really gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what JJ does
1: yep So, with that said, we kind of, you know, have our initial impressions. Let's get into our greatest likes of the movie. You know, the things we thought worked best in Last Jedi. So, what would you say are some of yours? I think Poe was one of the greatest... uh, His character
0: development was one of the greatest parts of this movie. I agree. Um, So, Poe in Force Awakens... I mean, you didn't really see much of his character. You just knew that he was a pilot. He was really good. You had a few scenes. He had a cool jacket. Um, And then you got into this one and you have him at the very beginning of the movie um, just kind of being cocky, doing his own thing, not listening to um, authority with Leia. And then he kind of transitions to see what can happen when that's the case. And he turns around and he gives that same advice that he got from Leia to Finn. And that growth is really important. And Mm -hmm. I think they're really setting up that character to... I mean, it's unfortunate that um, Carrie Fisher died. But it's also really good on how... Because they, they didn't know it when they are filming. It was fitting. It's, that, yeah. it's really great how, like, even at the end when she said, Yeah, listen to him. He knows yeah, what like, he's talking are, about. Why are you looking why at me? Why are you me? looking at me? Look at him. Yeah. Really setting him up to be a leader in this last movie. I agree, yeah. And with... I mean, being blind to what happened with her, it was great plot. No, um, so I mean. he had some of the bl- best character development... Um, Ren, obviously, is a great portion, um, making his character not be Vader. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, Force Awakens, all he wanted to do was be Vader, be like him, wear his helmets and all that, um, but he did what Vader couldn't. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, Vader, one of the greatest part of the trilogies, I mean, even Return of the Jedi, what you were saying was, Vader came back and his redemption story. Yeah. And making another vader and that's why I'm guessing this movie is getting so much crap is because they didn't go into that same box of plot and rehash. Yeah, yeah. And that's where The Force Awakens got crap, but now they're giving crap to The Last Jedi that's, that's, for the same you're going to lose and you're going to yeah. freaking lose.
1: Yeah, there's there was
0: really no way to win. That he he broke the mold and it needed to be done and someone had to take the flack for it. I but agree. I think Him coming back and, like, that throne room scene is so amazing because, I mean, if you're looking at all the places where, like, Rey's saying, like, you turned, and, like, it doesn't mention whether he turned to the light or to the dark, and Mm -hmm. she interprets that throughout her journey to save Ren um, as he's turning to the light side, and it's basically he turned fully to the dark side um so seeing that transition of him being a different better vader what vader and the empire wanted or the emperor wanted vader to be mhm um so it's just the change of the pattern of these movies was great yeah um so then also the imagery and the visuals so you have the fight between kylo ren and luke at the end mm-hmm. the colors and the layout of that scene just blows like yeah. that was some of the whether the plot is great or solid or whatnot, it's it's hard to debate whether those visuals and, like, how they laid up that scene with the reds and the whites. The planet itself is just, I love it. Crate is amazing. So good, yeah. Um, And then how they play the dancing of Darth, or not Darth Vader, uh, Luke's ghost yeah. versus Ren and how much detail they put into whether the steps yep. of
1: Ren versus Luke actually did the dust. Because, I mean, they could have very easily let that go and and they could have had him making marks on the, the ground, yeah. and then people would have picked that apart. But yeah. the genius that Ryan Johnson is, I love and that. And, like, you have all the, the,
0: not snow, but all of the ash slowly covering the battlefield throughout their fight. Mm-hmm. It's just those little details. And then I think my favorite scene, the sec- my favorite second, or second favorite scene in that is the fight with Ren and the Praetorian guards yeah. and Ray. My first favorite scene, though I have some critiques, is the... Um, light speed through all of the ships. Yeah. It goes, you're going light speed through. Granted, it makes plot holes. Why didn't they just do that through the Death Star? Mm -hmm. With a big ship, you just get a battering ram. Um, But it was visually going the whites and the blacks. Um, My problem, though, at the end was when it made it sound. Vacuums don't make a sound, and that pisses me off. And that's what Star Trek
1: does really good. Not to bring in Star Trek, but... Yeah, but I think at the same time, like, even in the original... (laughs) In the original trilogy, like when they were in space and they were firing their little beam, boom, pew, 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 pew pews, like no one picked that apart. But let's just pick Last Jedi apart to no, heck. I, no, I, no, I'm saying it's a, probably my favorite scene in all oh, of I know, Star Wars. I'm not Wars. getting mad at you. I'm just saying I'm going to get mad at you. The fanboys in general, yeah, with, which their, I with am, their critiques that are like w- one-sided. You know, I'm just um, saying
0: Star Trek did it, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think that's that scene visually and the kind of the visual. Colors and imagery that they use in this. Towards, I mean, the second half of the movie is where you get most of those scenes. is just amazing. Yeah. Um. So that's all my good stuff that I've. Cool. But what about yeah. You?
1: So I guess two things that I kind of want to talk about from a very high level, not digging deep into the plot of the movie, is just Ryan Johnson in general as the director. You know, anyone that is at the helm of Star Wars has huge shoes to fill. Clearly, clearly, you know, and a lot of people had say what you will about the prequels with George Lucas and the, and the the way he took them. But you know what? And the All-Gen Gamers, when they were talking about Star Wars, um, you know, 100 episodes ago, they were making a great point that Lucas gave us Star Wars. Yep. He has the right to do whatever he wants with them, regardless of how what people are going to say. You know, he created it and gave us that universe, and it has clearly just exploded into what it is. So I just want to get that out of the way. But Ryan Johnson, you know, coming into this with really not having a robust filmography. He hasn't really directed a ton of movies. You know, he did Looper. He did... um like, movie. Like, one or two other movies, which I haven't even seen. Um, but I still had high hopes based on other people and, you know, saying Looper was great. I mean, yeah, Take going from...
0: And not Looper is small, but it, and it was directed really well. But going from that to, like, a four billion IP... Yeah. It's, it's really hard.
1: Yeah, no, it, it totally uh, is. And, yeah. and I think he... Not only has such a great passion for Star Wars and what it represents, but he also loves the fans Mm -hmm. and he wanted to deliver something to them that people would really talk about and there would be crazy conversations and dialogues and arguments and debates just like we're having here. Yeah. And he did that. People, when they came out of Force Awakens, were like, yeah, you know, it was basically a new hope, but it was good. There's really no debate, really. I mean, yeah, there was, who's Snoke? Who's Rey? Uh, there were some questions there, but Last Jedi, I've not seen a movie I don't think that has had so much debate and controversy surrounding it. Yeah, it's the movies that make you think,
0: and it doesn't—you don't stop at the door. It's those conversations that afterwards, and all the
1: fan theories and all the stuff that you can generate out of that. Yeah, um, and and I'll get in again. I'll cool. get back into my likes here in a second, but just staying on the track of Ryan Johnson. You know, I, I watched the director commentary. Um, when I got the Mm Blu-ray, and that just further solidified my love for the movie and my rationale for having it so high in my ranking of Star Wars movies because as he's narrating it, and by the way, he has a great narration voice. Yeah, he does. He does an excellent job. But just his attention to detail, why he filmed certain scenes the way he did, his vision from the very beginning before they even started production for certain scenes, in particular the throne scene. From the very beginning, before they even started filming, he had this idea of Kylo and Rey kind of being back-to-back and fighting together. I just think there was so much thought that went into creating this this movie, and he did not just do it nonchalantly. He clearly took a lot of care, thought, and planning before he made the movie, and I'm just so proud that he was able to accomplish that, in my opinion, so successfully. Next thing I want to quickly talk about before I get get into my specific movie likes is the music. I briefly hit on it. I'm not overly impressed with the music in either Force Awakens or Last Jedi, um, but it is John Williams, and it's still fantastic. Um, But I still just want to give high praise for Rey's theme. I really do like that. It's just very kind of peaceful and just has this nice quick whip to it, and then a new alliance when, of course, they're in the throne room and they, they start fighting alongside each other. Um, but my other specific likes um, were, of course, Luke training Rey. I thought it had a very similar vibe to Yoda training Luke um, in, the, in the sense that there was a lot of humor interwoven into it. Like I loved when she was sitting on the rock and he said, you like have to feel the force. <laughs> and, and she's like, he's like, put out your hand. And, he, and he, like has the, he has the little <laughs> feather, and he's like, do you feel it? And she's like, yes, yes, I feel it. And he, like, smacks her, and he's like, laugh, stop it. I've seen the movie three times, and I laugh every time I see it. I that. think it's great. Um, a lot of people thought that the comedic humor fell flat, and there is, when we get into the dislikes, a couple things that I yeah. I do feel like it felt flat and was just unnecessary. Um, but their dialogue between each other and, you know, Luke just being wanting to be this hermit and not help her, um, and, and towards the end, him, like, trying to tell her that, like, this isn't going to go the way you think. Don't do this right. This is, you know, you're getting yourself into trouble that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved the kind of the struggle that they had together. I thought that was good. Everything that you hit on, I loved. I just want to add that Vice Admiral Holdo, uh, Laura Dern, I love her character. Mm-hmm. I love the purple hair. Everything purple about eyes. her, she was just wonderful. I mean, Laura Dern of Jurassic Park fame, I think, did a tremendous job. Um Apparently she was fangirling a lot. Oh, she totally was because over she, Leia, like, yeah. crying as the sender. like, and uh, yeah. I love, I love this moment that her and Leia share when they're both talking, and you know, Leia's kind of getting all of these like ships to kind of go off, and Lord Dern's going to do her thing, and they're both about to say "May the," and then and then and then Leia says, "You say it. I said it enough." Yeah. And then Lord Dern says, "May the Force be with you, to Leia." And again, it comes back to the director commentary that I was talking about for. Ryan, when he's talking about, man, I'm so glad that I had these moments with Carrie. You know, with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Because she is gone. And when they were filming, clearly they didn't know that was going to happen. And so, um, I will say a couple more moments with Carrie that I really liked um, was the scene with, um, of course, Luke and Leia. You know, going into the movie, I was like, I hope they're reunited. And physically, they weren't technically, but the moment when they're sitting there talking and (laughs) and i love it carrie's like i know what you're gonna say i changed my hair (laughs) yeah and so in the director commentary ryan talks about how carrie had all of these carrie fisher lines that she wanted to infuse in the movie and so many times he had to shut them down because they're just like carrie this isn't gonna work you can't say those types of things But that one was one that he's like, okay, Carrie, you can have your moment. You can have your signature (laughs) Carrie Fisher's, you know, corny line. And she had that, and I loved it. And then what I also love is that Mark Hamill told Ryan um, when they were filming that scene that I want to kiss her forehead. I think it makes sense. And again, it just goes back to, oh my gosh, I get chills. Like, you know, Mark Hamill's not going to have that moment again to be able to, like, she was, she was. Not only a sister in the film, but even in real life, they were so close. Yeah. So to have that moment where he so gently kisses her forehead and walks away to essentially fight her son was so special. Yeah. And another scene with Carrie that I loved is when they're on Crete, and it's just like this this distant view of her when she just has that thing half covering her face. Really special. And I, Ryan Johnson talks to that in the commentary as well. So... I just wanted to kind of give Carrie Fisher her, her moment here. Yeah. She deserves it. Watch
0: the directors. Yeah.
1: If you guys haven't already, it's definitely worth going through the movie again and just listening to Ryan Johnson talk about those moments, especially if you're,
0: you're raging or angry about it. It definitely shed some light and the direction of the director.
1: I think it certainly reinforces some of his plot points and why he went the way he did. Um, Yeah. It certainly reinforces that. So definitely, definitely listen to that. Um, let me look at my notes here. Um, okay, so yeah. The other thing, everyone had their moment. Similar to Infinity War, when you're like, how are they going to bring all these characters together and yeah. everyone still have their moment? But you know, like Finn had his moment with, with Phasma. Uh, Rey, I mean, I can't count on one hand. Kylo, Luke, Leia, Holdo, Poe in the very beginning of the movie. They all had these signature moments where it was like, man, that character, they really they brought it home. Yeah. And I'm so glad that Ryan was able to co- accomplish that as well. So... Um, Without going too specifically, those are my kind of high-level likes for the movie. But um, let's kind of get into our dislikes and things we think didn't really work out so well. Do you want to kind of kick that off? Yeah, sure. So I think this is a common one. It's Leia's Superman
0: scene through space. Um, In the director's edition, Ryan was saying basically um, the CEO of Disney came and said she's a force user too. Um, And how they projected that, I guess that's kind of how they... Saw it playing out, but I think she is a force user, she is a Skywalker. Um, they could have presented that in a different way, it just kind of looked cheesy, to, yeah, in my opinion. And space is like negative 400 degrees Celsius, I think. The last time I looked it up, um, so it, it was just it, kind of weird to
1: me, yeah. And before you go on to your next one, I yeah, de- no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And the first time I watched it, I was. Like why is she Mary Poppinsing her way back to you know the, yeah. the ship? Um, but similar to the the CEO's point and Ryan Johnson probably incorporating that in the movie, it does make sense. You know, Leia. The only time you've seen her use the Force is she hmm. can sense this disturbance in the Force when certain things happen, and then like communicating with Luke when he falls down the pit after he fights Vader and Empire. Yeah. You know, so it you wanted to give her her moment, but at her age, it doesn't really make sense for her to just like. Force push like Snoke out of the way or something like that. I don't know how they
0: would have. Like, I'm not you know, saying I know how they could should have done it. Yeah, I'm just saying.
2: How it was weird. They,
0: yeah, it was. It was a really was weird way weird. to present that character in
1: having force abilities. Yeah, but I also I don't agree with people saying she should have just died there. No, because they had no idea that the care or Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, and I don't like. I'm really glad like Ryan after filming not that they really could have done that because there's just certain plot points that wouldn't work, you know, went back and she ended up dying there. You know, like they they cut a lot of stuff out. It just wouldn't have made sense. There were just certain things like even essentially passing the baton to Poe when they were on Crete. Like, why are you looking at me? Follow him. There are certain moments that needed to happen. You know, Mark Hamill having his moment with her. um, You know, so I'm glad, you know, you can keep going, but I'm just glad that to a certain extent that scene did happen.
0: Yeah, I think it was a necessary evil in some regards, but I'm still listing it it as my one of my critiques. Yep, I agree. Um, My next one is breaking serious moments with jokes. Yeah, Um, that really like jokes and banter and all of that is great, but what really pissed me off and really threw me for a loop is the first scene where. There was so much tension built from the end of Force Awakens I'm, with this offering already, of this lightsaber. I already know and, what you're going to say. And yeah. he just throws it behind him. And I get it. It's to break the tension and to show that it's not a serious thing. But it really pissed me
1: no, off. No, I'm right there with you. That really, really frustrated me because, I mean, there were just so many even other if, ways that could have you're it. Even if you're a permit, yeah. you're not going to
0: chuck aside this relic that you had so many... Have so s- your, He's fun
1: saber like have some respect yeah he burned to death on
0: darth vader's home
1: or like fortress world for yeah and i mean really from a a, um, a narrative perspective it just doesn't make sense for for luke to even do that like why wouldn't he just say who are you why are you giving this to me where'd you come from like it literally makes zero sense to me why he just tosses it so i'm I'm right there with you. That is my biggest gripe. That or Hux, um,
0: his banter with Poe. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. So apparently that was, from what Ryan's director's cut said, was there were so many serious characters with Ren, Snoke, and I mean, you got more Snoke in this one, obviously, until things got cut short um, in certain words. Um, but it was trying to make that character kind of the comedic voice of the dark side and he played such a serious note with the kind of nazi style speech in the middle of force awakens and giving him a like a banter between the good side and the dark i would have seen him rather swearing at yeah. poe for
1: like killing all of his men i agree i think he would a very dare i liken him to hitler but like you said that nazi like uh, speech you have in the force salute, awakens you have the same
0: mannerisms in the presentation of his speech
1: yeah it, it, there were certain things that and I think this as um, you'll see for all of our dislikes our common theme here is that there were just so many things built up structurally in force awakens and certain questions and I felt like Ryan Johnson in many ways just kind of shot him down uh, yeah the one that I think he
0: did all right with, and a moving forward perspective is paying off Ray's parents. And I don't know if you're gonna That's put one. this on your bad list, yeah, it but is. I think moving forward, having them not be someone important is good for the franchise. Getting back to it's not revolving around Skywalker, especially yeah. if Daisy Ridley she confirmed that she's not doing Star Wars After Nine, it opens it back up from the Jedi Council be like a bunch of kids, and they're all training. And there's other Force-sensitives, because there's always been Force-sensitives, to Skywalker. Skywalker jamming that through six movies, yeah. and now, I mean, I guess seven movies with Force Awakens. And then us thinking, because you have Ren being one of the Skywalkers. It's going to be nine, I mean, you
1: know, essentially.
0: Oh, then you have Rey opening up that funnel yeah. up into, you have the entire galaxy. So that's what, I mean, not to go back to good stuff on the bad side of about this movie, but I think... That's
1: something that they did well. Yeah, for me, it's a positive and a negative because a negative because I wanted some kind of payoff there. Like, well, who are her parents? Like, even if... I wanted her to be the reincarnation of the Force. Okay, that's just that's just too far or out Or of the there. One. Yeah, you were saying that to me. And I'm like, bro, you need to chill out. That's Well, they're not... never going to do it, but it would be a cool concept that she has some ties to Snow. So yeah, I, I wanted some kind of payoff there. I did not want her to be a Skywalker. I wanted her to be Obi-Wan's granddaughter. I thought that would have been really really neat especially going back to force awakens and having the two the two grandchildren fight each other in the same way that obi-wan and anakin fought each other at the end of revenge of the sith yeah however i do think you know justifying that 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 approach makes sense because you know at the end of last jedi there's these nobody kids yeah that that are force pulling a broom force pulling a broom so it makes sense that nobody's it's starting a new generation of jedi it makes sense to go that way yeah but again the, the the purist in me wanted, like, Obi-Wan to come, you know. No, I did too. Especially, especially having Obi-Wan in the Force vision saying, Ray these are your first steps. Yeah. Why would Obi-Wan be talking to her? I mean, I get it again, but the purist in me wanted Obi-Wan to be her yeah. grandfather. Yeah, so. I wanted it, I mean,
0: obviously a lot of things in this movie to be different. Yeah. Um, it's just hard when we theorize over, what, two years? Because Rogue One... We set our expectations so high, and we chisel, or we go into such a corner that we, if it's not the way that we
1: theorize, because for two years we can come up with crazy plots, whether it's realistic
0: or not. And there were
1: those theories out there, like people go down the rabbit hole. Like I read one theory where, when the when the um, the preview showed Kylo in his mask bowing down, there were theories that that was Leia with the mask, and she was going to strike down Snoke, and that Leia was going to be the Sith Lord and the. Nice. Why is my phone ringing, and it's your fiance? Ah, well, we're not picking it up right now, so she's got bad. to deal with it. <laughs> um, that's good. Yeah, um, I'm gonna respond to her, but interruptions. We're sorry, we can't control <laughs> outside forces. But yeah, um, no,
0: I mean, there's some crazy theories. Um, but getting back to where we were, another one was Ren's shirtless scene. I think it was really unnecessary.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. <laughs> If that's how Disney wants to do nudity, I just think it was an unnecessary like joke that they threw in there. Yeah. If you want jokes, have it between Poe and Finn banter. Yeah. Not like a, a cheesy,
1: just a low hanging fruit. Yeah, especially you know she's like, well, can you put a shirt on? And yeah, it was kind of just. If, you, if you're trying to create sexual tension, that's it's just a weird
0: dynamic. It well, was especially a- when they're they hate each other in. The force or when they're communicating, it yeah, just, it didn't make any sense to me. No, I agree with that. It was just awkward. Yeah, and then the next one is Finn being alive. So I oh, thought this is probably I mean, my second worst gripe. I yeah, I think I mean this is probably marketing, and you introduce these three new main characters, um, but him being alive when he was going to sacrifice. Himself to save the resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I mean, the next one is probably Ro- Ray or Rose and Finn. That was unnecessary to me, and making a relationship kind of sexual tension between that too was unnecessary. But Finn sacrificing himself for his new group of people. He was a stormtrooper. He went through this change of character. He is now willing to. Have an ultimate sacrifice for this new group of friends, and I thought that would have been such a powerful way for him to go out as a character. Yeah. Um, but to I make mean, it, I I internally like
1: yelled during watching I, it. In I was theater. like, oh. I was like, you've got to be I was kidding like, me, son of a.
0: Yeah. Rose. Yeah. Let him die, and then they made like, you don't do it for the people you love. It's like, oh my oh, god, that was like, that I was, was like, probably like one of, like that was oh.
1: attack of the clones were, like garbage uh, quote there. Yeah. You know. Oh my gosh. I was, yeah, that still pisses me off. No, that was really frustrating for me as well. I, I, there was no reason for that to happen. I mean, Finn is a great character, but I think also in a certain extent, he's disposable. He is. He's not going to like in any way drive episode nine's plot in any significant way, really. No, it's going to be between Rey and... Kylo and Poe will have a giant role, but, but Finn is somewhat disposable. It makes sense for him to die especially yeah. in such a heroic manner. Because now if he has a moment in nine to die heroically, it's not They be- could have already paid it off. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to um, me. Um so yeah, that and then I had a
0: problem with race training. It felt like there wasn't enough of it of those moments. I would have liked to have had Luke there, like helm actual the training. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it was, was kind of just concepts and oh holy cow, you're going to the dark side when you have the opportunity to feel the force. Yeah. If I mean, I think they described it as when she touched Kylo, he, she kind of got his training. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't like that. Yeah. I think it should be, we actually trained you. I get you have played around with a staff for most of your life and you've had to survive and had those instincts, instincts, but if it's about a lightsaber and it's about this send off of Luke and Rey and you're the next generation of Jedi and to train them, you should have... You said it was a good thing, so.
1: No, you know I'm just something's popping in my mind right now, and I have to share because this has been so epic. So, there's a brief moment when they're looking over the water when Luke is going to grab fish or whatever he's grabbing with that giant pole. Yeah. And you see the the uh, the X, X- the X wing. How amazing would it? Because I love the scene when they're on Crete and Ray flies in with the Millennium Falcon. She's like, "Oh, I like this," you know. And she's like shooting stuff with Chewie. How amazing would it have been not only a throwback to Empire when Luke is training with Yoda to have her raise it, it, Luke, it would have disrupted the plot when he's like force casting himself into the. But if he would have flown in with the X-Wing and her in the Millennium and them just like taking people out and him actually fighting Kylo. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I wanted a,
0: four, a two-on-two battle between Rey and yeah. Luke with Snoke and Ren.
1: I agree. Yeah, there's so many. Again, we're getting into theorizing and how, yeah. wh- what could have been, but I think it would have been a nice throwback if she would have raised no, the X-Wing could, because there was really it. no reason to have it. Like, if you're going to show it, at least do something with that. Yeah, And they kind of just glimpsed at it. And I guess that was his throwback. Like, oh, there's an X-wing in the water, just like there was in... Well, that, uh, he also drove in on it. Yeah, I don't um, know. And but.
0: then I, I have one last thing. It's the uh, chase scene. Um, it being drawn out. Which and What chase scene? The chase scene between the... Um, First order and then the, like, remaining three ships.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. It was drawn out over... Like when they run the escape pods? Yeah, okay. no, 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 like
0: when they're running out of gas and they're slowly oh. losing ships. It's like, yeah. you have an entire freaking armada yeah. of ships. Bring one around to the freaking front, yeah. go light speed in and out. It, it just, it didn't, it was, I get it, it's a placeholder for these characters throughout the plot Well, yeah, Finn and Rose are doing their thing gambling and Ray and Luke are doing a thing and it's it's really weird how time works because it's a lot faster in these side plots mm-hmm. opposed to the main chase but there they could have done a lot better on that placeholder no I I agree with that um, putting up re- rear shields if you can have a death Star level weapon yeah it's shooting a few lasers and just letting that be it's
1: yeah. They could have done a lot better. You know, we keep talking about payoffs, but I think the payoff and justification for that is when Holdo does drive the ship through. Uh, yeah, I get, you know, uh, I get
0: why they did it. It's just the execution was, in my opinion, lackluster.
1: Nope, I, I get it. Um, so are those your dislikes? Yeah, dislike? that's, that's all of mine. The last thing I want to kind of throw out there is just the casino scene. I know a lot of people ha- yeah. have talked about that as being a gripe for them. And, and for me too, I think it was an amazing world. I mean, especially that scene when you're coming in and they're going over the casino tables and all these really bizarre looking characters. And even that first kind of pan out scene when they land that weirdo looking character and the noises he makes, that's actually Ryan Johnson. Uh, he says that in the commentary, like, Oh, this is my cameo. And you know, when I get yeah. to talk, uh, which I thought was neat. I just don't think it was fully realized like it could have been. Um, although I think it kind of points or at least hints that it might be later on in episode nine, because there's that boy, you know. He has the little broom, and he's kind of holding yeah. it up like a lightsaber. And so, if there are force users on that on that planet, I mean, clearly there's others in the galaxy. But and then also making it
0: it's not black and white. I mean, the major things I got out of that, even though I think the Rose and Finn stuff is unnecessary mm-hmm. and just kind of what do we do with these characters when Ray and Ren are doing important things? Um, but it's showing that the it was because the sails and the arm sails and. That it's less black and white than we think. It's yeah. not. There's good versus evil. There's uh, there's sales in between.
1: I'll tell you what, what though, do? and I think other people have, have mentioned this too. When they walked out on the balcony and you just heard this like rupture of of noise, I was just like, "Don't even tell me there's gonna be pod racing in this," because yeah. that's one of the one of my you know fingers. I said you can kind of one hand the good in, in uh, Attack of the Clones and yeah. Phantom Menace. If there would have been pod racing in this, man, I would have been like. Chomping. I, I thought it would, it would have been great, but uh, the fact that they were like weirdo looking horse things and they were being abused was just, like, weird. Yeah, they had... I don't know. It almost felt like they are trying to get political. Yeah. And it's
0: unnecessary. We go to these movies to escape. I mean, granted, we're watching lasers and lightsabers and Sith and lightning. It's We... We all have, I mean, we have jobs and we try to escape into these fantasy worlds. I mean, just as we do video games yeah. to get away from the political stuff. Yeah. And if you're going to use it as a plot point, great, but it's, yeah. It, don't put activism in my Star yeah. Wars movie. I just want hack and slashes and some
1: plot character development. No, I agree. Uh, so, likes, dislikes, overall, like if you would attach a number to this, I know where it ranks on your list. Would, what, what would you say? Like one to ten, ten being the best? Oh, gosh in somewhere in the seven to eight scale okay that's fair yeah i think for me it's it's probably eight seven five nine um but uh but like i said i mean clearly i found and have a lot of flaws with with the movie uh you know there's a lot of disappointment um a lot of what could have been but overall i'm i'm very thankful that ryan johnson went the direction that he did and i just hope that um you know um J.J. Abrams can kind of take the helm with nine. Yeah. I have a few things. Um,
0: So I like, in my RL job, we do a lot of arguing. Oh, yeah. How how could we not? I see this on your show notes here. So I I do strategic sourcing. So there's like, I argue pretty much for a living at this point.
1: This is, all the listeners are probably like screaming, like, how could you not talk about this and your dislikes? Yeah. so, um, uh, So at lunch, we argue
0: just for fun with each other about a bunch of different topics. And Star Wars comes up. Really often, um, so one of my coworkers' complaints was they didn't explain the story of Snoke. I mean, we have this ruler who's supposed to be super powerful, and he just gets cut down. Instantly. Supreme leader Snoke, yeah, he has, like, this all powerful name too. If my kind of counter argument to that is, in the original three, we know absolutely nothing about the Emperor. Yeah. It, the only reason we know any, which is why we expect it, and it's... Yeah. Which is, our problem with the expectations is we had six movies to go through the Darth Vader character. Yeah. Um. So when we see these, this grand leader of, like, the main villain or antagonist, we expect six movies in that clot, plot development. Yeah. We don't have that. We're going the same structure as the original 3. If we had a prequel 3 movies to explain Snoke, which could be Ryan Johnson's how things, how wild would that be? It would be interesting. I made this movie based off the assumption that I could explain Snoke in a different. Yeah. But I mean, if we had we have the exact same amount of information that we did about the emperor in the first 3. So we have that expectation from the f- prequels that he's going to be more developed than he really is. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, no, that's a great point. It really is. I mean, I, I almost wish I could have been, you know, in the late 70s and early 80s when those three movies came out and just the, we, discu- we, the discussions and debates that were going on then about these characters and the Emperor and Darth Vader. Why, where is he really from? And they would have been story?
0: completely different because it's all new at that yeah. point. It's like, I wonder what he is. Whether they pay it off or not, it doesn't, like... They didn't have the expectation that we need to know this character. Because by Return of the Jedi, did we really learn anything about the Emperor and his We history? knew he was in charge of Darth Vader and that he was this guy in a screen who was powerful. We didn't know
1: basically anything. Because we didn't see him until Return of the Jedi, right? We saw him in like a, a... But he was hologram. He a hologram. But like we didn't see his actual physical being until Return no, of the Jedi. Darth
0: Vader was Empire and then we saw him in the throne room at the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. We saw little to nothing. So we're – we're basically picture the plot of – yeah, no, it's the same thing as the Emperor. Yeah. The original. Um, the next kind of gripe is that Kylo Ren is kind of a wuss or he's yeah. a crappy villain, which I totally understand, but this goes back to the same kind of thought process as the Snoke development. Um, we're midway through – say Anakin and Darth Vader's plot is over – or – Picture Ren over six movies. Yeah. We're in Tack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith era. I mean, *Attack of the Clones, if you look at Darth Vader or Anakin, he's a wuss. Absolutely. Like, he's just complaining about relationship stuff. Insane. Insane. Oh, just, I hate the feeling of it. <laughs> it's the worst. No, I mean, if we look at Ren as that same progression as Darth Vader, he is just now getting out of Attack of the Clones. He kind of had his main jump into I'm who I am so where um, anakin was at the end of the third one and now we're into him as an established character and we'll, we'll, I'm going to talk about where my expectations for 9 are eventually but it it's really going to pay off whether they develop him as well as they did Darth Vader in the original 3 yeah. in
1: this transition between 8 and 9 and i think people like it, 9 has the potential to radically shift people's uh, opinions of of kylo um, in nine, like we were talking about earlier, like nine or the the third movie in a trilogy really kind of either ties the knot on the bow or kind of leaves people like, you know, disgruntled about where the direction went. But, um, for me, like I said, Kylo is like one of my top three characters in star Wars just because I, I think he's an angry, uncontrollable, emotionally distroubled mess. Like he's, yeah, he doesn't know what to think or do, or he's, he's constantly wavering from one um, end of the spectrum to the next. And, I love that. I think he has the potential of being a great
0: character. And for like I totally agree he he's great and whether he stays great or moves towards greatness, greatness in my opinion yeah. depends on how they start out nine. I agree with that. And it's th- going to be the opening 10 minutes of nine and if
1: yeah. No, because you're right. He's going to get face time in the first 10 minutes and and how he carries himself and his dialogue is is really going to shape, I think, people's views. Probably myself included. Like, if he doesn't have, in an, any any significant progression from Last Jedi to Episode Nine, whatever that title might be, my opinion will probably shift as well. Probably for, for for not for the better. So we'll see. Yeah. So let's transition
0: into kind of where we think Nine is going. If you want to,
1: yeah. Start out. Uh, no, I don't actually, because I know you have. Well, I guess. Yeah, because I. Ryan, you have basically almost written a script for Nine. A loose script. Where not, not Ryan Johnson. Ryan, my, my co Yeah, we spell
0: it a little different. Yeah, you do. I have a um, Y is an I, whatever. Um, I'm not going to fault him.
1: But for me, I think there needs to be some kind of five-year gap between Jedi mm-hmm. or Last Jedi and whatever Nine is um, for multiple reasons. One, like you, you and I have talked about, <laughs> you could fit everyone in the Resistance on the Millennium Falcon. So yep. clearly they need to... Kind of build up that um, that army. Um, and, and similar for um, the, what would you even call them? Not the resistance, but the First Order. The born, The First Vader, Order. Yeah. Um, clearly they've lost hundreds of people because their ship got split. I in don't half. know if
0: that's their full fleet, but they lost their capital ship or their main ship for their leader. Yeah. And they lost a lot of large ships. And so my high
1: are. level expectation or thought here is that. Ray starts some kind of Jedi Academy, um, especially with – you see the Force users. I'm sure there's people that are more in the Jedi Knight age range already yeah. that might be training elsewhere, and Ray might kind of take the reins with that. Not necessarily like the boy for, they don't need to pay off the boy because he like from the last Jedi. The little boy. Yeah. It's yeah, just no. that was more of a conceptual thing. Exactly. Like
0: moving forward like recruiting forces. Yeah, I mean
1: letting people know that there's still Jedi out there. There's still Jedi in the future. Just like Luke's quote. He I love how he said multiple times in the movie. He's like, That's funny. Everything you said in that sentence was wrong or something like that. Yeah. Um but he said like something about I'm not the last Jedi or um I won't be the last. He has some kind of dialogue basically saying that the Jedi will live on. Yeah. But so moving forward, I also think that the the time gap also helps um, kind of justify Carrie Fisher's character Leia dying in mm-hmm. in the in before the time gap or like in the midst of the time gap. So when they start the movie, she's just not there. Because they said they're not going to CGI her. Yeah. And I I don't. Yeah. I'm glad they won't because it made sense in Rogue One. I thought that was awesome. Uh, To have a young Leia. And Tarkin already looks dead. Yeah, it didn't matter. But um, I think it makes the most sense um, to say something happened, she got ill, whatever, she passes away. But I still want them to um, talk about her in some significant way. Yeah, they have to address it. Yeah. Um, Because she's not going to be there, obviously. But as far as where the movie goes after that, I really anyone's guess is as good as mine. I really don't. So that's why I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say because we haven't we haven't talked prior to this.
0: Yeah. So I kind of started the same way. What I want them to open with is her funeral scene. And I want it to be laid out. I mean, granted, I'm going to set my expectations and then the same thing with The Last Jedi. But um, setting it up the same way that they had Amidala's her mother's funeral scene, that procession and that giant Mm send-off. And it would just be a poetic kind of thing to have her daughter get the same salute that the mother did. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, So that would be really cool. And then I agree there should be a gap. I don't know how big that gap should be. Um, One to five years. I think one is a little short, but they need time to rebuild both Mm -hmm. sides. Um, And I think that... Carrie Fisher's death, or I guess Leia's death in the universe. At the end, they were complaining because no one was coming. And is the resistance dead? And I think that her death is going to have a ripple effect and have some rallying cry around. We just lost our main flagship general. That's a really good point. We lost Luke. We lost Leia and Han died. I mean, granted, he's a rebel, or he's off doing whatever. But we lost our main leader throughout all the. And the last major movies. So I think that'll be kind of how they go about it, or hopefully. Um, And then Poe's going to take over the leadership. Mm -hmm. He's going to be... He's known as a great pilot, and just his progression in The Last Jedi, um, that he's just going to ascend to being the general. Um, I think they should do a space battle, kind of an updated version Um, kind of reiterate Poe's growth and his strategic ability because they are fighting on fumes when it comes to funding with um, the rebels yeah Um, and then I think that Rey should speak to the ghosts um, whether it's Yoda Vader I think Vader would be a really powerful one that'd be really neat yeah Um, say hey I'm dealing um, with one of your relatives what the heck do I do he really kind of is all about you yeah yeah how did you change back and kind of see i mean you could grow vader more and i mean they might be afraid to touch vader yeah
1: in that sense but i don't know i feel like jj J. abrams would be okay with it i mean he brought khan back in in star trek so he's i think he's okay to to go back yeah. to these flagship characters that really kind I, of are pivotal to the franchise i mean
0: he came back to so it'd be interesting to see darth vader's take on i came back because of this because of family or for whatever reason yeah um so addressing ghosts um and then I not think, Anakin's ghost though Hayden Christensen no, does not ever need to be in Star Wars again. No, I agree. It should be masked Vader. Yeah, uh, Mufasa's voice. Yes. Uh, so James. Then going back to she has the Jedi books. I think that she will debate on whether the tenets of the Jedi are what they need moving forward. I mean, Luke was all about the Jedi need to die and they need to end and we need to kind of do our own thing because here's what's happened um, because of that. But I think she might reform it slightly, kind of allow you to have relationships or to be close with people instead of closed off, Mm -hmm. Um, which whether that happens or not, I just think it would be an interesting concept to change fundamentally what Jedi are. Um, Then there's going to be a final conflict, obviously. They have to address Rey versus um, Ren. Um, What I think would be really poetic. um, I don't think he'd come back to... I think you told me this. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a huge moment, obviously, in The Force Awakens between him and his dad. Yeah. Han and Ren. And I think if Ren is going to come back to the light side, it's going to be at his death. Yeah. And I think Ray should kill off Ren. And Ren pulls the trigger and said, I'm a menace. Here's what I become. Yeah, And I th- or I forgot to say it at the beginning. But at the beginning of the thing, you, we should see, or beginning of
1: the script, or the movie, the opening. The, the scroll crawl, or the text crawl.
0: No, not even the text. Like, the first time we meet Kylo, we need to see that he's unhinged. Yeah. Because currently, he's still that tantrum kid at the end of F- Last Jedi, where he's like, keep firing. Fire, fire, keep going. He's s- strangling Hux. I think we need to solidify his character that he's unhinged and he's just not coming back. Yeah. And
1: he's a solid adult, not a kid. Now, what do you think you would take for that? Do you think it, like it's like killing Chewie or some signature Star Wars character?
0: I'm, I think whether you're torturing someone or you just have no mercy, but I'm picturing when you go to Avatar, The Last Airbender, and you see um, What's-His-Face's sister, where she's just... Nuts! Using lightning, of yeah, uh, yeah, Katara, no, um, the
1: Firebender's sister. Oh, uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, the name escapes me, but I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: well, basically, at the end, she is just completely nuts. Like hair's all messed up. I mean, you don't want to mess with Ren's hair, but um, no, those locks, man, those dark. He, yeah, it's just some way showing that he's unstable, uh-huh. and I think in his death, him kind of in a like a glimpse of him, his former self, before he saw his uncle try to kill him, have him pull the trigger and sacrifice himself for the betterment of everyone. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a really poetic, him realizing what he did to his dad was kind of not a good idea as far as family matters go, Um, but how I think they're going to deal, or how they should deal with Ray not coming back, or Daisy Ridley not being a part of this after this movie, is... Kind of do what Luke did after Force or after the first original three is to go out and be the go out and kind of not be a hermit but spread Jediism or just hunt for Force sensitives Mm -hmm. and try to say hey this is what you could be and a betterment of the entire universe or the galaxy.
1: I think that's great. No,
0: I think like her pilgrimage out to gather people who have the ability to change
1: things and yeah
0: not let them fall to the dark side but to get them
1: yeah no i think that makes sense and it's certainly practical it's not like leia you know taking <laughs> kylo's mask and striking down Snoke or anything like that um i think like you said that would be a really emotional and really special moment if you know kylo gives ray his lightsaber and just says like you need to do this you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, or I don't have the strength to do it. Help me. Yeah. Like, w- the same kind of Same phrasing. dialogue he had with, with Han. Yeah, with his dad. Um. No, that's good. So kind of episode nine thoughts. Is there anything you want to talk about? I mean, I know Ryan uh, Johnson's going to kind of helm this new trilogy. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? I know you had some thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I think they've talked about this not going to KOTOR um next yeah, the old republic they've... but i it's think unfortunate. i think it would have been a good yeah. choice and i think that's because of the lore everyone has such high regards for like those video games and where it is and messing around with that is kind of dangerous yeah um but i think addressing the kind of start of the jedi like if you're doing it in three movies not necessarily have the characters be a new set of characters that we have to like have action figures for but have three separate Almost like anthology movies, Mm -hmm. how they're doing with, like, Rogue One. Here's plot. So at the beginning, have the Jedi and the Sith, kind of the beginning, whether they're going to, like, how they establish that. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the lore, it's currently, they brought all these Force sensitives to a planet with two moons, one being light side, one being dark, and kind of stabilizing it if they're getting too far to one side, send them to the moon, that did the opposite. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they want to do that, but kind of addressing, if we saw the first Jedi temple in the last Jedi, how did it all begin? Yeah. And that being the first one. Um, the next one is doing the Sith Wars. So originally the Sith, um, was it Malachor, I think is what it originally was, but they changed the name. Sure. Um, the Sith were a people mm-hmm. and then slowly over time they became, um, the Sith that we know and love. Um, but kind of that progression of the Sith Wars, I think it's like 4,000 BBY. So it's really interesting in how they address time in the Star Wars universe. It's all relative to a specific plot point. So like how we do our calendar, it's the Gregorian calendar and we do AD, mm-hmm. which is um, Anno Domine. Domine or something yeah. like that, yeah. It's Latin, but it means year of our Lord. So it's all relative to a specific time when this, yeah. Um, they do BBY. It's Battle of Yavin. Mm. So it's Not all rel- Return of the Jedi. Yeah. No, it's the New Hope Yavin. So it's the Battle of the I'm First thinking, Death Star. I was thinking Endor. Yeah.
1: Okay. Got it. My yeah.
0: Bad. So they all do it relative to that. So this four thousand. There's like a four year Sith War, four thousand to three thousand nine hundred ninety six. So doing that Sith War in the middle, or as the second one, and then do the Mandalorian Wars.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's a sixteen year okay. thing. Um, it just because the Mandalorians, Boba Fett, his culture, all the warring factions and families—it would be amazing. Yeah, that would be pretty neat. Um, you, it's it's essentially having like a samurai war. It's the same yeah. kind of idea. You have these crazy fighters who were just think of Spartans. Yeah, their entire culture was based off of war. The Mandalorians
1: are the exact same, and they have jetpacks, lasers, and just awesomeness. Yeah, it. I also don't see him going through this trilogy without bringing back at least one... They have to tie it. S- there has to be at least some character, whether it's Boba Fett, or s- someone has to make an appearance, and it better not be R2-D2 and C-3PO, because they do not need to be in every Star Wars movie. I will just put that out there. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it will be interesting how they kind of cross the universe and, and see how things tie in, but... I really don't have any hopes or expectations. I kind of want to just, like... If you set the bar low enough... Yeah, like, I just kind of want to go into it blind, and as the information comes out, I, it'll be, in, you know, whatever. I think they could also do, like, Snoke's story, but I I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think so either. Because um, I I,
0: if they're making Ren the main villain...
1: Yeah. They're not going to bring back one of the villains that they killed off. And then and then it just almost like belittles that trilogy now. Yeah. And like, oh, well, what could have been with Snoke rising to power?
0: Yeah. That or the Outer Rim, kind of where the First Order came from. Okay. Where Hux, because like, we haven't seen outside the Outer Rim. Um, so they could kind of grow that for potential future stuff. Mm-hmm. If they're getting away from the Skywalkers. And then the last thing that I could potentially see was a dark side character. If you do something with, like... I mean, granted, Darth Maul's story got cut short. Oh, man. Um, but if they can... Talk about what could have been. Yeah. Like, Infinity Wars, if they could humanize a dark side character... Like Thanos. Yeah, like Thanos. Yeah. Or the guy from the Black Panther. Yeah. Those villains, it, it makes you feel for them. And mm-hmm. granted,
1: they, their motivations are really bad well it's just like vader i mean he's uh one of the the held in highest regard villains out there but he is also very human in his his story and
0: we get that through the first three yeah that he's an actual person yeah but if we can like grow the dark side characters and it's just a weird way of seeing character like someone who murders a bunch of people understanding why they did what they did no so getting in the mind of i i watch a bunch of like serial killer documentaries you never feel sympathy for them, but for in these type of movies, Disney has the opportunity to humanize villains, not and think make that's them
1: uh, help us understand. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, in the next, I don't even know, I don't know the timeline for those three. Um yeah. they, have they said like when those are even expected to come out? No, I
0: think it's going to be after nine sometime.
1: Yeah, because um,
0: um, what it goes nine. Han Solo is, what, next week? Yeah, and then
1: I think, um, you know, they've confirmed that the Obi-Wan movie is is going to happen. obi
0: Obi-Wan, and then whatever happens after that. Yeah,
1: and so that kind of gets into, you know, what we kind of wanted to quickly touch on is, um, you know, when the Marvel movies first started coming out, they were great, and they still are phenomenal movies. I,
0: I think Marvel has a better formula than Star Wars has. Yeah,
1: but my point being that the market is just... Way oversaturated with superhero movies, especially when you you know you take into account DC. Not that they're great, but just the fact that they're being made. And so my really big concern here, DC, is <laughs> it is just yeah, it is worth laughing about. Yeah, um, I don't think I've seen like the past three or four movies. I saw Suicide Squad, but I didn't see Batman vs Superman. Yeah. I didn't see the one with the first Superman with Henry Cavill or whatever his name is. I didn't see I, Justice the, League. I didn't
0: mind the first Superman movie um Batman versus Superman was really bad. I think they also have a their marketing sucks. I think marketing in general sucks for these new movies. They spoil the entire plot line in their trailers. Yeah. So I mean we knew the main villain and his um like scene where he comes out for Superman or Batman versus Superman. Yeah. We saw his like entry scene, yeah, which spoils the suspense.
1: Yeah, uh, so yeah, I guess the main takeaway here is that I just hope they're smart. Although knowing Disney, they're not. They're just worried about and concerned about money, so they're gonna keep pumping these out. Considering Force Awakens and Last Jedi are the top t- on the top ten most gross movies ever. Mm-hmm. So Rogue One probably is in the top 25. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wager that it's anything past that. And Han Solo, I think you're going to see a significant plummet. I don't think people are as, as interested in that. I don't think
0: we, I don't think we wanted Han Solo. Han no. Solo is one of his greatest trait is we don't know much about it. Yeah. I mean, it, I was learning that apparently he was part of the Empire. Which is crazy to me, mm-hmm. but I didn't really care. No, I, I just didn't... knew he was a sarcastic guy who said, "I know." Yeah, to Leia when
1: she said, "I love you." Or yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So I want to see an Obi Wan movie. Like, give me that. That's great. The more you um, and
0: McGregor, the better.
1: Yeah, but they have to be smart with the the choices they make, the characters they choose to make films about, and even the trilogies that they're going to be making. Like, they just they can't milk this franchise as much as Marvel. I foresee them doing. It is Marvel's done. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I want to wait and see. I don't want to be overly critical of, of the future of Star Wars. But I, just, as as any Star Wars fan would say, like, it's very near and dear to our childhood hearts. And we don't want that to be tainted with Disney being at the helm of you it. You
0: definitely have to get a large sample size. And the amount of people that you're surveying surveying to, like delve into these new characters or the characters that we loved from Mm -hmm. our past. Yeah. Like Yoda, I don't know if his story would be great and I doubt people would want to see it. Yeah. Because he's 800 years, like the first 40 years of his life are him just chilling. Yeah. Because he's so old. Yeah. Like Han Solo is risky but Obi-Wan, we love that character so much and it's going to be great. Yeah. Rogue One did really well and I thought it was it did a really good job doing what it did. Yeah. Um, but they need to definitely make sure they understand what the
1: audience and their, who they're selling it to yep. wants. No, I agree entirely. So the future of Star Wars remains to be seen. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, so another fun episode. Yeah. Still lot clocking in a lot, lot sooner than I thought we would. What is this? hey, I'm worried about our script going five hours. You never know. We break I mean, it into three? You never uh, really know how long the episode's going to last, but we're clocking in here. It'll probably end up being under two hours. So, um, fun time. I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to put these episodes out there for you guys to listen to. Before we close the episode, I again just want to thank Jason Heine for doing the excellent intro to the show. Him and I have been talking back and forth quite a bit since him uh, you know, handing that off to me, and I'm just really impressed with what he was able to... Um, Right for us, and I hope you guys like it too, that nice little jazzy synth intro and and outros. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, And uh, Mark, man, I I thank you for the logo that we still haven't seen yet. I'm (laughs) sure that uh, it's great, but I'm sure we'll be getting uh, our hands on that logo pretty soon, so hopefully by the time this episode releases, you guys will see the new and improved and and, uh, well-crafted little logo that Mark did for us of of Ryan and I in our uh, little costumes, but Thank you guys again for watching. Yeah, thanks. You can find me on Twitter at relewis2011. Ryan, you on Twitter yet? Made a lot of progress since last episode. Yeah. Good deal. But uh, we want to thank you guys for watching again. You can write into the show. We were uh, we would love critical and uh, you know constructive. I should say not critical. Don't be mean. Constructive and positive feedback for the show. If you have any questions for us, we definitely want to get a dedicated mailbag segment to the show. Yeah, complain
0: about Rusty's audio for the first 35 minutes.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're still trying to work out. If anyone has a new MacBook Pro, um, you know, I, I got a dongle or an adapter to plug in multiple USB mics. But for whatever reason it's only picking up one of them and I've gone through several. I think it was like a forty-five minute intermission for us trying to figure out how you hook up two mics. Yeah, so, so it, we're actually using one. That's probably why there's certain parts of the show you hear one of us further out or further in or you know, whatever. We're like it is. shoulder to shoulder here. Yeah, it's getting a little <laughs> uncomfortable. So let's let's kind of wrap this episode up quick so. here. But but seriously, if any of you guys know, reach out to me directly on Twitter or right into the podcast. Again, it is Otaku Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. That'll be in the show notes to this show, so feel free to shoot us a note. Uh, we really appreciate it. But yeah, we're trying to figure out that two USB mic into uh, the MacBook Pro, so let us know. Ryan, any closing thoughts or comments?
0: No, it was a lot of fun. I love ranting about Star Wars.
1: <laughs> yeah, so next episode we'll probably be ranting about uh, Dark Souls and Bloodborne. But, yeah. Uh, maybe not. We don't know. We haven't We didn't solidify the topic yet. But thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya.